They tried to make me go to rehab, and I said, Chick, when's my flight? <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, May 22nd, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 306. This is No Agenda. I am a survivor of the rapture. Can anyone hear me? I'm at the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center in Gibbon Nation West, People's Republic of Southern California, IA. In the morning, in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where it's beautiful, I'm John C. Dvorak. Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. We live, we eat one more day. What's that mumbling thing you were doing? Was you covering your mouth or something? I didn't get the I didn't get that, the joke. You didn't get the joke of uh, hello, hello. I'm a survivor of the rapture. I'm broadcasting. Oh, the rapture. The yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. brother. <laughs> <laughs> they, so I got some. Cl- let's let's get this let's out of the get way. Get it out of the way and get it over with. I please. got two clips from about the rapture. One's a local story. One is kind of surprising because it was CBS. They did a whole package. Yay! Now, the weird thing about the rapture, which, by the way, if anyone is out of the area doesn't know what we're talking about, yesterday was supposed to be the end of the world, according to it. turns out to be an Oakland guy. Yeah. Who was the minister who's, uh, by the way, there's some numbers in both these reports that are kind of distressing, considering that, you know, we kind of ask for the same kind of donations that he does. Um, But let's play the CBS wrap up first, and I think we'll get a clear perspective. Only after we say, in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you and in the morning to all ships at sea. And to our human resources in the and chat the room. In the air. Yeah, and the seats in the stirrups. Uh, Noagendachat.net, noagendastream.com. Network wrap-up of the end of days. There are many Christians who believe the apocalypse will be a time when their faith and devotion are rewarded for eternity. Some of them are the followers of Harold Camping, but he believes he knows exactly when the end of times will be. Tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Here's Bill Whitaker. (laughs) It's a good bet you've seen the signs that tomorrow is the end of the world. May 21, 2011 is the judgment. It's a prophecy aggressively peddled by 89-year-old Harold Camping, a civil engineer and self-taught biblical sage. You and I are living at the time of the end of the world. He claims to have discerned the date from numerological calculations revealed by his reading of the Bible. He spread his prophecy around the world on his family radio network in 84 languages. Please go to familyradio.com. On RV caravans, on 1,200 billboards around the country, according to camping, starting tomorrow. It's going to be a huge earthquake that's going to make... The big earthquake in Japan seemed like a Sunday school picnic. True believers are ready to meet their maker. We want people to know that there's still time, a few hours left, to cry out to him for mercy. Trumpeting the apocalypse doesn't come cheap. Family Radio spent as much as $1 million on the billboard campaign. It can afford to. Camping's radio network was worth about $22 million in 2002. By 2008, it was valued at more than $117 million. It's a combination of a very new and rather peculiar way of reading the Bible, coupled with brilliant 20th century American marketing. So well known, the end has become a cultural touchstone for late night comics. And the number one way to make the apocalypse more fun, more fun? What's more fun than the apocalypse, for God's sake? 
I'll be tweeting the whole thing at boiling.eyeballs.cataclysm. The end of the world has been predicted more than a hundred times in the last hundred years. In fact, Harold Camping predicted it once before, in 1994. This time, he says he is certain. Bill Whitaker, CBS News, Los Angeles. You know, when I hear that kind of money, I'm not laughing about the guy. He's a genius. Somebody's a genius. He's smart. You know, they're calling for a do-over now. It was supposed to be October 21st. <laughs> do-over. <laughs> now, there's a couple of things here, though, that I do want to mention. Uh, first of all, the weather's crap here today. Uh, the volcano in Iceland erupted. Uh, yeah, but that, that, yeah. 70 mile an hour gale force winds in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, uh, so, close uh, enough. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, close <laughs> enough. Close enough. Well, there's another thing, though. I think that uh, this is being or, or will be misused by media to deem people who believe in God as nuts, as idiots, as total nutballs. You, well, you can just see it coming. Idiot- the atheists have come out with their own billboards. Oh, boy. Uh, basically ridiculing all Christians, essentially. Yeah, see, I'm uh, telling you, this is what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's obvious what's going to happen. Yeah. The whole thing. And there's all the snickering that goes on. Right. When the fact of the matter is, this guy has one lone crackpot. Excuse me. A, a little. Uh, in a Oakland. Little, calm down a little on the crackpot, yeah. And. Uh, who is like the, the the guy who was saying he was a you know twentieth century marketing was a was a Episcopalian per, uh, minister, mm-hmm. and he uh, you know was smiling about it, saying yeah, this is what this guy does. I mean, this is what he's done, and he's dead serious. Every time he's been interviewed, it's been he's been dead dead serious about well, it. You can you can take it a different way. Let let's say we had sixty radio stations, um, and we were broadcasting a message, and people would hear our show. And people say these nutballs are like telling people to donate three hundred and thirty-three dollars. You know they're, they're crazy. Yeah, I mean you can look at it any way you want. The guy's got a brilliant marketing thing going on. Unfortunately, he's fooling people with bullcrap. Yeah, no, he is actually a, probably a disgusting person. Yeah, uh, and you have all these people. There's a bunch of local stories. I have some local really? coverage. Really, do, do we have really have? I really don't want to listen to it. that. Was I? I didn't even yeah, interrupt well, your I, I didn't interrupt it because of like last week. Horror. But that's okay. Uh, excuse me. Nothing. I'm just going to say that this. Excuse me. This guy. The crap those clips I played in the last show were pretty dull. Uh, really, your those, clips. Sorry. No, the two the clips you played at the beginning of the last show were incredibly dull. Oh, okay. Well, then we're even. You've dulled it down exactly. even more. Con- well, no, because you didn't play my <laughs> Congratulations. I do want to make mention of the fact that every single seismic website that I know of that are accredited registered an 8.4 magnitude earthquake in Libya. Um, technically, Saturday morning, I believe, in Libya. Within two hours, every single seismic website had removed this registration. I found that to be highly what? interesting. Yes. And the, the Internet is full of it, of people who uh, took screenshots and like videos. sounds like a hoax. No, no. I mean, I, the, the European seismic site, as of last night, still had, that, still had the 8.4 registered right on their list. So I guess everyone gets the same bad data or something, but they literally removed this earthquake registration. They have their own seismometers in these places. There's one in Berkeley. So then they all registered the same thing, but they all removed it. 
you know, I... I, I oh, just now, now, see, you bring this... Now, this is like something I have to now do some research on. This is bogus. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's... You know, I'm, I'm surprised Mimi hadn't seen it, because I know she pays attention to this stuff. No, she's a daily earthquake watcher. Well, I, I, I think it was I, some... I think it was some anomaly. Some one place had a wrong, some wrong data, and they... they yeah. May have been corrected by others. Yeah, coincidentally in Libya. Yeah, well, how come there's no reports of, on anything from Libya happening? Well, because we're too obsessed with Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no, no. Yeah, Arnold. If there was an earthquake in Libya with this guy's prediction of the end of the world, I think it would it, get no, a little no, it, attention. It came before uh, Saturday. It was Friday in the United States. And it was scrubbed. It was taken off immediately. And, it, and that, that means that if it was scrubbed... Even if it, so, let's say it's an anomaly. Let's say it's a mistake. I think that a, a website like that should say, "Oh, sorry, this was an anomaly," and like put a little asterisk next to it. But it just was removed. You got a lot of people who watch these sites all the time. You know, they're, they're constantly I'll looking. Ask, at I'll it. ask Mimi about it. She she would be able to track it. All right, then since. Uh, You've already bored us to tears with uh, the end of days. Which no, clearly... it wasn't me. It was a, it was C, it was CBS that bored you to tears. Damn those CBS guys! All right, so this is the No Agenda Show podcast where we assassinate the media. Something is slipping through the cracks that I just barely caught, and uh, and in fact, I just caught it this morning and started to investigate. And there's a couple other people out there who are who have caught on to this. Who runs, uh, who really pays for mainstream uh, news these days, John? What are the biggest advertisers? Drug companies. Drug companies, thank you very much. Um, did you notice this report, which of which I have a little compilation? Uh, the past few days, this was uh, just blasted out all over the media. It slipped by a lot of people because, of course, there's a lot of more important stuff to think about. Authorities want to take DNA samples from the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. It's been almost 30 years now since that Tylenol scare gripped this nation. The cyanide tampering of those bottles was deadly, and today we learned of a major development in this cold case. The FBI confirms that it wants a DNA sample from Ted Kaczynski, the man known as the Unabomber. The agency wants the sample as part of its investigation into the 1982 deaths linked to poison bottles of Tylenol. FBI investigators are now looking at a possible link to the Unabomber. Right. Did you uh, notice this report about the Unabomber? Yeah. I, well, hold on. I'll tell you what. You can fix the, my thinking. I heard about the fact that they were trying to get some DNA evidence about something that happened in the past from Kaczynski, but I didn't know it was about the Tylenol. And the fact of the matter is, you'd think, because Kaczynski was an egomaniac and, uh, and nuts, he would have mentioned it in his either somewhere along the line, uh, because he targeted individuals individually. He wasn't a terrorist-style murderer. Why do you say the fact of the matter is? I've heard you say that twice. I don't know. Because, you know, who knows what the facts are. You want me to stop saying it? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, you're yeah. irked by the term? Yeah, a little bit. The fact of the matter is you're irked by it. No, the fact of the matter is there is a book coming out next month called The Tylenol Mafia, authored by Scott Bartz. And here's a little interview of him uh, when he was uh, doing his research, getting ready for the preparation of the uh, of the book being submitted to, I think, to his, um, his publisher. Well, it, it, uh, there is an interesting timeline involved here. Uh, the uh, FBI contacted me in August of 2008 and again in September of 2008 and during those conversations I told them and they asked me about my uh, the reasons I believe that tampering occurred in the distribution channel and that that was covered up so J&J could avoid liability and I also brought up some other information uh, regarding planting of evidence 
And uh, shortly after that September 2008 conversation with the uh, FBI, uh, they formed a new Tylenol task force <laughs> in the fall of 2008 in Chicago, and they uh, recon or they convened two grand juries in DuPage County and Cook County. Interesting how all roads always lead to Chicago in these cases. So I think what's happening is this guy, who was a former Johnson & Johnson employee, this uh, Scott Bartz, and he asserts in his book, which is coming out in a month, of course, it's all beautiful for him, but his assertion is that there was actual tampering in the supply chain. It uh, may not have been, it may have been a company that was hired by Johnson and Johnson. But the fact of the matter is uh, that even uh, after the fact of these, because a lot of people died, right? The, the people don't even remember this. There are people listening to this show who are too young to remember the Tylenol scare. Do you want to just uh, take us back to to those days, John? Nineteen eighty-two, I think well, it was. Well, when I was a kid. Seriously, so, it was it was it was scary, right? Uh, well, I wasn't sitting around fretting about it. Let's put it that way. Of course, I'm not a Tylenol user. Anyway, the, uh, the what happened was that apparently I, the way it was presented in the news was that someone had a grudge against either uh, there or there were or they were blackmailing the company, and so they had gone out and began to. Uh, open Tylenol uh, bottles at the pharmacies and or, or grocery stores and put poison pills in there, and, which seems odd because you'd have to have the a pill maker. But yeah, you have to, you that, have to get that's through all what, that cotton. That's essentially what led to, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that cotton, which is there for your protection. Sent, this, by the way, the Tylenol thing is what led to the packaging we have today. We wouldn't have this sort of packaging, which you have, you know, you, you say that, you know, the seals that are inside the bottle mm -hmm. and the little things that are around the outside of pickle jars. So the know, reason like people can't open bottles is thanks to this is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the beginning of the bottle, you know, the extra machinery was sold to protect the oh, bottles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what yeah, you're, there's money to be made. So what you're seeing is because so the and this it was, you know, the, the media then, of course, there wasn't really an Internet. Uh, and it was all about, oh, the Tylenol scare, the Tylenol scare, the Tylenol scare. And it was uh, it was freaking out, throwing out the Tylenol. I, I took some Tylenol. I'm, I'm feeling not feeling good. And it was uh, it was pandemonium. <laughs> People were just like going crazy about this. So I think what's happening here is this guy who was a former Johnson & Johnson employee in his book as a whistleblower, he is going to assert that this was a, a mistake of the manufacturer, not some horrible, evil entity that was trying to sabotage uh, Johnson & Johnson blackmail. And people will come out of the woodwork and start, you know, a, a huge ruckus about it, start uh, demanding money, suing the company for years and years. And what's convenient is that their buddies in the media are just like, well, you know, what can we do about this? Um, I know. I've got an idea. Let's pull out that nutball, the Unabomber guy, and let's blame it on him. I bet you, I bet you 10 bucks that they're going to find the DNA matches like a pill bottle or something. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Let me get the red book out. And I'm just like, wow, I can't believe these guys stoop so low to do that. So low they stoop to lie about the you the poor Unabomber guy. <laughs> now I'm feeling well, he's bad a good all-purpose guy to blame. <laughs> we should blame on everything. <laughs> he's just be, whenever there's something that whenever a company messes up, it's like hello, hello. <laughs> Can you pull out Ted again? We need some DNA to to prove something here. Yeah, no problem. We're sure he did it. You think you'd think that he they'd have his DNA, don't you? Yeah, it's. <laughs> 
So, which makes me think that the only reason that they brought up, we got to get his DNA, knowing that he already have it, is just to b- draw attention to what they're up to. So everyone says, "Oh, it was him." Yep. So these poisonings involved extra strength Tylenol capsules manufactured by McNeil Consumer Healthcare, mm-hmm. which had been laced with potassium cyanide. Yay! The incidents led to reforms in the packaging of over-the-counter substances and to federal anti-tampering laws. The case remains unsolved and no suspects have been charged. Uh-huh. A $100,000 reward is offered by Johnson & Johnson, McNeil's parent company, for the capture and conviction of the Tylenol killer. It should be the kill or capture. This is old language. Capture yeah. and conviction. It's capture or kill. Come on, get with the hip kids. So anyway, so uh, this is the... Uh, it'll be very interesting to see this guy's book. I can't wait to read it. It'll be fun. And uh, he should, uh, like, go move somewhere for a while, perhaps. Unless, of course, it, I mean, it behooves him, of course, if uh, if the Unabomber is blamed through DNA. <laughs> what are they going to match it against? Yes, we. he left some DNA on the bottle cap when he scraped his finger. I have no idea. <laughs> Zoom in. It's Enhance. Bullcrap. Bull like they still. Yeah, I agree. They, have, they got nothing. But I just want to point out once again that every single ad, every other ad you see on television is a pharmaceutical ad. These guys run the entire show. They're not going to take any lawsuits. They're going to take more bad PR. Uh-uh. Break out the Unabomber. This should, this should be a, just a slogan. Kids should be saying. <laughs> Break out the Unabomber. <laughs> Kids should say. Um. The Unabomber uh, blew up my homework. <laughs> Just teach your kids to blame it on the Unabomber. That's the way it should go. Anyway. I thought it was just pretty funny. And it's no, that's sl- good. I, that's a good catch. I'd, I'd give you that one. I think you're dead through. on. In fact, I wrote through. it down in the little red book. Yep. And I'm highlighting it as we speak. So there was something else that hit me yesterday, John. That uh, hey, you. Yeah, like a ton of bricks. And uh, I wanted to throw this by you. How long, how you, how long have you been in living in the uh, great state of California? Long time. Long time. Long time. You love me long time. So uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been governor since 2006. Does that sound right? 2006, I think. Well, I can look it up while you chat. Why don't you consult the book of knowledge? So, of course, uh, this, we totally ignored this story because I know you and I both think, oh, brother, it's like, who gives a crap what, he, what Arnold does with his penis? It's just like, ugh. But then all of a sudden, his penis started to interest me. And the reason. Really? I'll tell you why. Yeah. It's like, here's an angle that no one has looked at. So, so first of all, uh, if I can believe the reporting, which is very difficult, this is a 14 year old kid who was born within like a month of uh, his kid with Maria Shriver. So we now have to believe that she, this woman, this uh, household staff member, I don't know what that means exactly. She was living in the house. This was a secret for 14 years. Nobody knew. Big secret. Arnold didn't talk. There were no glances, no nothing, no whispers. No one knew. And now that he's out of office, his term has ended, uh, he comes out and he says, all right, I got I to come clean on this. So what I always found very interesting is here's this uh, Republican, and uh, who, and this is why I'm asking you specifically, who I believe made a lot of interesting decisions in his governing of the great state of California, not necessarily all right-wing, typical right-wing decisions. In fact, I would say he, he um, acted very left in, uh, in a lot of things. And what was always very interesting, of course, is that he uh, was, still is, married to Maria Shriver of 
the Kennedy family, one of the most powerful Democratic, if not the the Democratic power uh, in the nation. And she's also a reporter to boot for uh, NBC. Used to be. Used to. Well, you know what I mean. Is it feasible that he was being blackmailed all these years because he knew that if this if this if this came out, that he, of course, would be kicked out of office. His movie career would end. Everything would go to shambles. And he's, I think he's a pretty narcissistic guy. I think he's probably uh, actually a pretty nice guy from what I hear from a lot of people. He's a great, I met him. great organizer. It seems, seems like he's a pretty good guy, actually. That he was being blackmailed to run certain agendas by uh, political influences. And that once he was out of office, he just couldn't take it anymore. He's like, career be damned. Like, I'm blowing the shackles off. I'm just telling everybody. And screw you, Shriver. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. Why is no one looking at that angle? I, I find it fascinating all of a sudden. Well, you, maybe they will now if they listen to the show. You know, the, apparently the Inquirer, which is the only real newspaper of, of, that does of any, of any merit. Of any merit, believe it or not. <laughs> People don't want to believe that. <laughs> but it's true. And the reason is because they'll buy stories. They're on the story, and apparently they were... Uh, they were on the story when, it, like years and years ago, and then they were pushed off the story f- somehow. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, they'll buy stories also by their silence, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Well, they, they're completely tied to the CIA. And we know the men in black get all their stories from uh, the National Enquirer. Anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting. I hope that, you know, it would be great if Arnold just, because, you know, he has no chance of running for public office anywhere any, anymore well, anyway. He, does, he was not interested. Why, why would he? But, you know, they've, can, they've canceled can't. his movies. They canceled his cartoon. You know, so he's basically canceled. <laughs> and, and he can't blame it on the Unabomber. But maybe we can sample some DNA from this kid. You never know. It might be Ted Kaczynski's kid. And I'm just thinking, why doesn't he come out and say, you know what? These bastards were, blo- these bastards were blackmailing me. For years. Well, there's also the possibility that it was all consensual and Maria knew about it from the beginning because this woman needed a child. Maria needs to eat a sandwich. That's all I know. (laughs) She's one thin woman. I think my theory is just as good as yours. No, yeah, but but neither of those theories have been discussed. Instead, we get CNN special reports, sex, lies, and arrogance, the men in power, and the douchebags that they are. Now on CNN. That's right. Douchebags. Yes, nobody discusses any possibilities. No. It's funny. They always like to, you know, they go into these, all these news organizations go into this, essentially, like Fox is just all speculation. Big, the great American panel. And they just <laughs> dream stuff up and yak about it. But when it comes to something like this, there is no speculation whatsoever. Nothing. It's just reported as like just douchebag news. Yeah, completely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe our uh, maybe some of our uh, human resources can dig a little bit deeper. But uh, anyway, I just it was interesting. I'm just watching CNN. I'm like, really, you guys? I mean, there's nothing else you can think of. It's kind of like when I said Michael Jackson. How come no one's looking at it, it being murder? And then and and uh, MSNBC hung up on me. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare talk like that, you unscripted bastard! It's so wrong. Well, you're a loose cannon. Yeah, can't be trusted. I'm a lone wolf, baby. Oh, by the way, we want some feedback from the guy who says that that wolf sound is unequal is equalized in such a way that it blows out his no, ears. It. it won't because I fixed it. He said it was only on iPod headphones that it didn't sound good. Did, and you tried it? 
Yeah, it, well, I, I'm deaf. You know, I, I, I can't hear very well. Yeah, it's because you've been in radio too long. What? And people complain about me because I like to have spe- speakers instead of headphones, and, you know, this is the reason. Yeah, and so you have perfect hearing? Is that what you're saying? Well, my hearing is not bad. Mm. I go to an audiologist once in a while. My hearing is good. Oh, really? And I've always, because I worked in factories, that nowadays kids never learn these lessons. When I was a kid, yeah. when I was a kid, we used to work in factories when we were in high school during the summer because you wanted a summer job. And in there, they drummed into you, you better wear ear protection. And I've always worn ear protection when I go to concerts. When I was going to all the loud, noisy, you know, power trios i would have ear protection <laughs> what ear. you went to see rush is that what you're saying you're no, a rushy you you had to remember some of these bands from the bay area like blue cheer oh which, ain't no time with the summertime blues Go ahead. Said, come on i can only worse just three crappy singers with a huge <laughs> like a five-story building worth the marshall amps with one hit that was it. <laughs> that one hit turn these things on max what was the other power trio that you went to see hendrix Okay. Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Hendricks was loud. Yeah, he was damn. I wish I had seen him, man. I would have given my left nut to see him. And let's see. One, two, three guys. Yeah. Cream. In the white room. I don't know. I shouldn't even mention these bands. Can you mention seven bands Eric Clapton played in? Uh, John Mayall. Wes One. uh, Blind Faith. That's two. Cream. That's three. Uh, Eric Clapton as a solo. Okay, yeah, four, yeah. Uh, wasn't he in you're missing the Yardbirds? Two, yes, Yardbirds, the, the big one you're missing. Oh, the big one. Uh, okay, what? Derek and the Dominoes. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's six, seven. Maybe it's only six. I don't know. Whatever. He, and he played with... Uh, I actually saw him in uh, saw him play with uh, Mayall. And the Blues Breakers. Yeah. John Mayall's Blues Breakers. See, I'm jealous of that stuff because in like the 70s, I was just too young. And you know, you were like, "Come on, let's bring this little kid to watch." I tweeted, I tweeted that video, by the way, of you, the one that's around there, of you trying to take that PC apart from like 1987. Yeah. Yeah. People love that man. And you know what Mickey said? He's 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 really he was really handsome. <laughs> well, those days are over. <laughs> you got like the big glasses and the gold watch. You got you got like that's Big gold Ben, line. the golden Big Ben on your wrist, and, and you're trying to pull this PC apart. And these guys are ragging on you. Like the thing is like crap, crapping apart. It's funny. It's a great. That's a that's a piece of computer history. I tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my that was I peaked. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, that's where it goes. <laughs> Let's thank a couple people for uh, supporting our show uh, this week, John. Indeed. Let's see here. Let's start with uh, James Irvine, who's now a, a knight and donated a flat $1,000. He's from Foothill Ranch, California. I don't have a note from him. Do you? No, I don't see anything either, other than I'm sure he's very excited about his No Agenda Night Ring, which will be coming to him uh, sometime next month. Yeah, that's what they say. No, no, I, I have a lot of faith in in Eric. It's not Eric's problem. It's these Chinese vendors. Chiners. China. The Chiners. Gavin Warren in Turak, Victoria, Australia, decided to become a knight by donating 54321, an odd number. In the morning, blokes in the bush, uh, the karma just hit me in the mouth this month. I spent 27 days, 26 days doing surveillance on Curry Road. Hello. Hello now. 
I'm poor schlub private eye. <laughs> Wait, is he doing like adultery cases? Oh, uh, who knows? Pulling double <laughs> shifts on burnout. Yeah, yeah, you can. You know, the funny thing is about you. Right, I don't know if you can spot him, but I can always spot these people. Oh, the the guys who are looking for. I can spot two people. I can spot private eyes and uh, and people have to serve papers. It's the same oh. guy, namely. It's the same I, I, guy. I, I, <laughs> same I had that when 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 my ex wife served papers on me. I opened the garage door to take out the trash, and like this Toyota, like you know, like like a Corolla, right? <laughs> Pulls up. Are you Adam Curry? Yeah. You've been served. Uh, okay. You know it's kind of amicable. <laughs> like I've been waiting for you. Like I thought you were going to come last week. And the guy's like all hyped up, <laughs> like waiting to see if I'm going to attack him or like bash the papers from his hand. Funny. Well, I you can spot these private eyes, and a lot of them are women. That you'll you'll be standing in some weird place reading a newspaper while standing upside down. (laughs) It's like okay, (laughs) I know I can see him too. You're right. Anyways, yeah, it's always funny. And I'm always observing people like that. I I I I can't help myself. I love looking at people. If you want to on a spot, when we're like alien, obvious alien. It's a gray. So. So, uh, by the way, he's one penny short. He wants you to drop it. You, you owe. Oh, of course. Not a problem. There it is. There's your penny, my friend. Thank you so much. So, uh, and, and Stephen Pelsmacher's came to the rescue. Varen von Pelsmacher from uh, Belgium. Uh, well, if this is indeed it, he's talking about the end of the world. So he gave us $521. See, this is the uh, kind of stand-up guy that Baron Stephen van Pelsmacher's is. This is, I mean, that's that's a stand-up guy. Support the show, and just in case, you know, he hedges on us. He gives us the benefit of the doubt. I love that. And uh, thank you, Stephen. He hopes to see you on the flip side. <laughs> that's right. I'm yeah, well, catch you on you're the rebound. Have to wait <laughs> on the flip flop. See you in the afterlife, my brother. <laughs> uh, yeah. Simon Feld Olsen uh, in Norway. With a dollar, as uh, as it is, people from outside the U.S. should donate now. With the, yeah, with the dollar as it is, right? People from the outside yes. of the U.S. should donate. I agree. Like he he gave us three hundred thirty three dollars and thirty three cents, which in euros is about forty five dollars. Sixty sixty euros. It's nothing. It's less so, than pizza. Uh, he it's needs a- some karma because uh, he's going to serve in His Majesty the King's Guard in a couple of months. Oh my goodness! Well, here you go, my friend. Some karma for you. You've got. Karma. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of us over there. And uh, finally, uh, now is Janice. It, uh, wait a minute. Uh, Simon, is he uh, an executive? Yeah, he's an exec, right? S-I-M-E-N, yeah. Yeah, but he's an exec. And then yeah. uh, Janice Kang, mm-hmm. whose birthday it is, or yeah. was it on Thursday, actually. Okay. Uh, 279.90. Mm-hmm. And, she, and there's a 300 club thing she i guess came in belatedly for her too but we're giving her uh, associate executive producer 279.90 on today's show okay perfect perfect i was thinking uh, john by the way uh one of our producers pointed this out to me uh we have a very special show coming up and it is the uh members can become members of the pie club as Pi, show 314. 3.1416. And think of the opportunities i think it's 3.141527 i believe I'd have to look at the number. So you can give any combination of the number pi to become a member of the pi club. Isn't pi 3.1415279? 
Well, it goes on forever. The no, I know, but, well, I, I know, but you know, no one's going to go I on forever. I always rounded it up to 3.14162. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's 3.14159265. There you go. So you could give $3.14 for your special Pi Karma. You could give $31.41. You could go for $314.15 and, and, so, and so on. And three hundred and fourteen thousand dollars and one hundred fifty nine. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, that would be awesome. Couple of uh, uh, domain forwards to thank people for Ninjinshub uh, which is uh, no agenda show without the vowels. N g n d s h w dot com. Ah, for those vowelless people. Yeah, which is which is means we're podcast two point now. That is forwarding to uh, noagendashow.com. NAaroundtheusa.com, which we might want to use for our trip, which uh, we're, thank you all very much for sending in these lovely, lovely invitations to park in your driveway, to felt your Wi-Fi for barbecues. It's so nice. Send your uh, uh, your offers and your ideas. You know, to- you could move out of your place and go on the road for, and probably spend about two years just uh, scrounging. Well, I wish I could pick up one of those... Uh, uh, Rapture RVs. Those guys had some bitching RVs going. Do you ever yeah, see those they things? Did. Now, you mentioned they've got to be up for nice. sale. So what we're doing is uh, not this Monday. And you can keep the paint job. <laughs> yeah. Just and no, cross off May and make it October. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then underneath, sorry, we goofed. Blame it on the Unabomber. Um, I think uh, not this Monday, but next Monday, uh, Miss Mickey and I, and by the way, to send, a, uh, if you want to... Uh, uh, give us some ideas, tips, places to go, uh, anything of that ilk. Uh, send an email to Mickey at Curry.com. She's uh, coordinating all that. She's on the payroll now, and she's getting paid nothing, but she's working. Uh, like, I mean, she does the pancakes, of course. I mean, she does a lot more for the show that you don't see behind the scenes. Um, um, uh, so next month, not this Monday, but next mon- Monday, we're going to, um, what is it, Cruise America, and we're going to rent... Uh, for three days, uh, an RV that we believe will be sufficient. I think it's going to be either a 23 or a 25 footer, which we're still looking for one because, you know, unless these guys come up with an incredible deal, it's going to be difficult. I can't rent, you know, for five weeks. It's just too much money. Um, we're going to rent one. So then we'll pick it up uh, Thursday after the show. Then we're just going to, we're going to go drive when we're just going to like flip a coin and just drive wherever. So we're really going to, you know, test our skills at finding a place to, to go to Hoover Dam. Right. So we're going to go to Hoover Dam. It's completely spontaneous. And then on Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday, we will actually do the show from the RV. Go to Mexico. So it's, <laughs> I don't think so. It's, it's a, a Gitmo Nation, not Gitmo Nation Taco. And we're going so to you're going to go, wait, let me get this straight. You're going to uh, do the show next Sunday from the RV? Uh, no, the fact of the matter is, it will be the Sunday after next. I think. Wait a minute. What is what is Monday? Is Monday the twenty seventh, the thirtieth? No. What is Monday? No, it's next week. No, so we pick it up next, not not this coming Monday, next Monday. So like first, you know, thirtieth or the whatever. Thirtieth. You're 30th. picking up on the thirtieth, right? And then the and but we're, no, we're we're going to go select one. We pick it up on the Thursday after that. On the second. Yes. And after the show that I'll do from the watchtower, we're going to go drive. You know, we might go in the direction of the Hoover Dam. Vegas. (laughs) 
Vegas. <laughs> That's where all the they got like you That's can, where all the you RVs know, go. Hold on, all millions of RVs go to Vegas. Hold, you on, might as well hold, hold on, hold on, I'm getting a production thing here. What? Sunday fifth. No, no, we're not going to Mexico. I'm not going to go to Gitmo Nation Taco. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go. I don't want to get scanned at the border. Oh, but I can tell you, by the way, you can. Say, they will not let you take the RV to Mexico no. as a rental. Exactly. And then they're going to scan the whole thing. I don't want to be scanned. Yeah, and you'll X-rayed. be x-rayed. X-rayed. Hey, by the, so they caught all these guys being x-rayed. Yeah, they, they, did you just see the picture? Yeah, but so wait a minute. They're, they're, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. They're not supposed to have any pictures. Let me get this straight. You have an x-ray machine that will go through metal? And this isn't dangerous. Yeah, and and you see those guys like their skeletons. They're all like doing a dance in there. They're, they're <laughs> like a, hitting pinatas and stuff. They're all gonna drop dead in a couple. It's of weeks, crazy. Though. It's crazy that this is allowed. And the president was touring that the, the other day, like a week ago. And the, the, the TSA was yeah, we got to, to drive the old truck to the X-ray machine. The president's going, that's great. That's great. Hello, everybody. Nice X-ray. Hello. That's great. Hey, I'd hustle. Anyway, so we're still looking for an RV, everybody. We're looking for an RV. Uh, then we have a number of... Uh, see, So that was naaroundtheusa.com. Uh, we have a number of TK, .tk domains, uh, which is, yeah, it's cute. But I don't, I, I don't think there's as much value in them, but we appreciate these forwarding to noagendashow.com. Get more nation. What's TK? Turkey? What is that from? Uh, I, yeah, I guess. Turkey? No, I don't know. I'll look it up. Gitmonation.tk, LuciferClinton.tk, GeorgeWObama.tk, PistolPete.tk, AdamCurryNude.tk. PistolPete? I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know what that's Pete for. Maravich, the guy who used to play for the New Orleans I Jazz? Know, I don't know. And John C. Dvorak, NakedYuck.tk. You know, very funny. Yeah. Uh, please make sure you check out No Agenda. And how do you know, buddy? Yeah. What are you looking in my window? Well, we, we, we go back in we go back Toki in the t- we go back in the time machine to 1987 and we just add some years and we get Tokelau. a pretty good, pretty good idea. Tokelau? Is that an island? Yeah. Is that an island? I don't never heard of Tokelau. Mm. Noagendaphoto.com is a great uh, website to submit your Gitmo Nation photos to. It's uh, it's really nice because it's not really necessarily like no agenda stuff, but just crazy stuff you see that relates back to the show. Uh, magic numbers, you know, all kinds of Gitmo Nation stuff. Uh, it's a great little website, and it's kind of picking up steam, so I want to make sure we promote that. Um, <clears throat> so thanks again to our executive producers for today's episode, uh, which is 306 on the episode counter, James Irvine, or Irvin, I think Irvine would be correct, Gavin Warren, Baron Stephen Pelsmakers, uh, Seaman Field Olson and our associate executive producer Janice Kang. We highly appreciate your support of the No Agenda Show. You are the ones that are making us uh, making it all possible for uh, this episode, and therefore your credits are real valid. And like the uh, other phonies in uh, Hollywood, will actually vouch for you should someone uh, question your credits. All the rest of you human resources, you have a mission. It is to go out and propagate the formula. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. Hey, John, we're getting four more years. Four Obama? more years. No, of the Patriot Act. Oh, yeah. Hey, good work. <laughs> I'm we, glad they passed it. Now with new improved lone wolf provision. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't believe it. All these people, especially the Republic turds, 
David, you liars, you sons of crap liars. Just go in there. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. Eh, it's all good. We'll just we'll just sign off and just let it all continue. A couple more years. That's great. Unanimous support from everybody. You guys are bastards. I can't believe it. Ron and, Paul didn't vote for it. So there are three. No, of course not. Three, well, this was taken out. This is all secret, right? So they take, take it off in this little like subcommittee. And then they do, uh, there's some political procedure. There's some, it's a special. Because yeah, it's embarrassing. It's a special kind of These vote. douchebags in, in Congress are a bunch of sleazeballs. Yeah, this is, what, what, this, is, this is a name for this procedure. It's like some kind of special vote, and it, it doesn't really come to the well, floor. Well, the point, the bigger question is Obama, who, came, who ran specifically against all these things, you know, a checklist, he you has done nothing. The bank. You can take it to the bank, nothing. Yeah, it's kind of. It's kind of sad, you know. Does anybody the, notice this? I mean, are they getting sick of it? Let's see. So uh, we were going to get out of all the wars. Where's your bell? We're going to get out of all the wars. Wait, wait, wait. Bring our Let troops back home. We were going to close Gitmo. Uh, what else were we going to do? Uh, we were going to end get... End the Patriot end Act. End the Patriot Act. <laughs> your bell is sad, man. Get a real bell. Like a, yeah. Get a manly bell. It's a real bell. It's a real yeah. bell. Yeah, that's why it sounds so shitty. So there are three expiring provisions. The lone wolf provision, which of course is my favorite, uh, which is actually part of a different law, um, which I think that's part of the FISA law, which is the special framework for gathering foreign intelligence in the United States, uh, uh, meaning you don't even have to have a link to a foreign government or foreign intelligence agency the lone wolf provision allowed uh, allows that framework to be applied to people. This is such, you know, why don't we just call it the the, the national socialist agenda? You know, the Nazi party is running the country. Yeah, this well, is ridiculous. Hey man, hey man, did you call the president a Nazi man? What are you, a lone wolf? Hey man, like, give me some DNA, see if it matches to the Unabomber. Maybe you were hanging out with him there in the shack. So anyway, disgusting, and 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 we need to get all the names of all these people, and we've got to vote them out, and and shame them, and if possible, throw a shoe at their heads, because it's just it's, it's particularly uh, from these uh, so-called uh, you know Republican conservative Constitution-loving men and women, like oh yeah, bullcrap, you're liars. You big liars and big phonies, all of yous. That's telling them. Yeah, that'll show them. That'll show them. <laughs> that'll 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 stop it. You know, it was it was interesting because, um, uh, of course, the president tried to usurp us like he did to Donald Trump. He tried to kick us off, get get a ruin our ratings by doing his uh, Middle Eastern speech on Thursday, and he waited. Right, you know, he first he had Hillary come out and do the warm up act, and then he waited till we started, and then he will oh, go out now, and no one will be listening to those guys. Uh, but he, you know, did you actually go back and watch the speech, John? No. It was a a, me, a, a meme fest, I have to say. Mm-hmm. A whole theme of memes in this thing. And uh, and I got a couple really short ones. So when we talk about the lone wolf, um, this was something that that he said in his speech. Which These things just catch my, my attention. And I just can't ignore the fact that words matter. And who speak uncomfortable truths. And we will use the technology to connect with and listen to the voices of the people. 
For the fact is, real reform does not come at the ballot box alone. Through our efforts, we must support those basic rights to speak your mind and access information. We will support open access to the Internet and the right of journalists to be heard, whether it's a big news organization or a lone blogger. Uh-huh. A lone blogger. A lone blogger. <laughs> I'm a You know, doesn't that, but isn't that like conjuring up images of a, a lone wolf? A lone, yeah, guy in his basement in his mom's house. I'm a house. lone blogger. I'm, I'm going to show them by writing something on my blog. <laughs> Dvorak.org slash blog. I'm a lone Dvorak. blogger. slash blog. I'm a blogger. I'm a lone blogger. I actually, I'm not a lone blogger. I got a team of bloggers. You got a team of lone bloggers. Um, so then uh, uh, there's a couple of funny things. Did you ever hear... Uh, Colonel Gaddafi say the following. The most extreme example is Libya, where Muammar Gaddafi launched a war against his own people, promising to hunt them down like rats. <laughs> Did you ever hear him? Was that in the news somewhere and I missed it? <laughs> I'm going to hunt my own people down like rats, and then I'm going to be the king of the rats. <laughs> This is bullcrap. I'm gonna hunt him down like rats. I tell you, I never heard that. Never did I hear him say that. Why is he gonna hunt down his own people like rats? <laughs> <laughs> like rats. All right. So then there was a. This was this was particularly funny. Uh, this is like you know. This is like uh, hello ca- uh, pot ca- kettle calling here. But in Libya, we saw the prospect of imminent massacre. Imminent massacre! We had a mandate for action. That's right, from the douchebags in NATO. And heard the Libyan people's call for help. He's going to hunt us down like rats! Had we not acted along with our NATO allies and regional coalition partners, thousands would have been killed. Saved or created. The message would have been clear. Keep power by killing as many people as it takes. Isn't that exactly what we do? Isn't that exactly what Obama's been doing? But killing as many people as it takes? Keep power by killing as many people as it takes. Yeah, well, he's not hunting down his own people yet. Like rats. He's smoking them out like rats. And then, uh, and then this, we, I think it was um, March 21st, 2011. John, if you recall. It is U.S. policy. Our president said this. Gaddafi needs to go. But let me emphasize that we... Uh, anticipate uh, this transition to take place in a matter of days and not a matter of weeks. Right. So that what? was um, yeah, matter, said that? matter of days, not weeks. So that was March 21st, 2011. Uh, and uh, so now we are March, April, How many days, weeks. Now we're like two months. And uh, what's he saying here? He said matter of days, not weeks, didn't he? Yeah. Of course, change of this magnitude does not come easily. Oh. In our Wait day, a minute. Days, not weeks. That we're into months. How does this work? <laughs> well, excuse me. Hello. Change like this doesn't come easily. You crazy. But he said it did. Shh. Listen. It, hey. Don't. It, what are you, a lone blogger? Of course, change of this magnitude does not come easily. In our day and age, a time of 24-hour news cycles and constant communication, people expect the transformation of the region to be resolved in a matter of weeks. Oh. But it will be years before oh, the story what? reaches. Oh, 
it'll be started. it'll be years. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> it'll be years. He got us into this mess by promising days, not weeks, and now he says it won't be months. It'll be years. Years. years I tell you, we have to keep playing that clip. Years. <laughs> yeah, I've got no the tw- the March twenty first clip is in the rack. It's it's a it's an yeah. evergreen. It's an evergreen. Evergreen. It's an evergreen. I mean, how much more can the American public put up with? So, so this a, just a, comes out and blatantly lies. This, you know, what it reminds me of Bush during the Bush administration. And I wish we could find this clip, and maybe somebody out there can find it because it's floating around. I remember there was a big congressional hearing during on the buildup to to invade Iraq, and they point blank asked one of the generals, "How much money is this going to cost?" Oh, just a couple a couple dimes we got laying around. He says Don't worry it'll about. be probably less than a billion. <laughs> we spent a trillion dollars on these wars. He it was something like, "Oh, it'll, it'll be over quick, and it'll be kept something yeah. less than a billion. Yeah, it's a thousand times more than that. It's just a rounding error. That's okay. Just a few, it's going to cost a few bucks. We're going to have a couple bullets, you know, shoot a couple in the <laughs> just, air. Yeah, just, mostly for celebration. <laughs> yeah, just a mission accomplished. Fire your weapons. So this does bring me to something else. There is huge confusion. And actually, I have to say, I'm incredibly disappointed uh, in uh, Senator Rand Paul. Uh, because he's wrong. He is incorrect and wrong. Because what everyone is saying now is that uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday... The 60 days of the War Powers Resolution ended. Uh, and the way this works is so either you, if you're going to go attack another country, it's either because Congress has signed, and this is what's in the Constitution, a declaration of war, and like, here you go, go ahead, go off and go, go, go kill people to keep in power. Uh, or you can, uh, and this is from 1973, and it's the War Powers Resolution, not the War Powers Act, the War Powers Resolution, that enables the president, uh, when we are threatened by, you know, apparently we're Libyans because we were going to be hunted down like rats. So the president says it right there. He was going to kill his own people, not us. Now he's not going to not going to terrorize us just because he's going to kill his own people. But okay, so he snuck it through. But he's not doing this under the War Powers Resolution, which means it would be sixty days, and then after sixty days, he has to get a, a note from home from Congress. Uh, and he has 30 days to do that. So the 30-day clock is now ticking, and now we have all these political pundits. And I have to say, unfortunately, Rand Paul, you know, bow to the glass Buddha, uh, is is on board with this bull crap, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't even, he keeps calling it, as does Anderson Cooper, the uh, War Powers Act, and and like it's law or something. So first, let's listen to, to AC360. Anderson Vanderbilt Cooper, he's so handsome. His eyes are so pretty and blue. His pecs are impeccable. And Rand Paul. Yeah, and the raw politics of U.S. military involvement in protecting Libyan civilians. Under the War Powers Act of 1973, the... I mean, is this guy a news guy? Do you have Wikipedia, Anderson? War Powers Resolution. The president has to get congressional authorization for military action within 60 days after it begins... Or the mission has to stop within the next 30 days. That's the law. Whether you agree with it or not, that's the law. It was a law passed under President Richard Nixon to be a hedge on executive power. President Obama formally notified Congress about the action in Libya on March 21st, but did not seek a prior approval. Well, today is the 60-day deadline. Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky is one of the few on Capitol Hill who has been insisting the Obama administration follow the law. Well, late today, we learned that President, that President Obama sent a letter to congressional leaders expressing his support for a Senate resolution that would approve the mission in Libya. 
But nevertheless, the 60-day deadline has passed. I spoke with Senator Paul a few hours ago, right before we learned about the president's letter. So, Senator Paul, is the president of the United States about to start breaking the law here? Well, actually, I think he's been in violation of the War Powers Act for some time now. But now he's getting ready to be also in violation of the 60-day requirement that he report to Congress and get authorization within 60 days. I mean, are you talking about this because, in part, you're opposed to the U.S. involvement in Libya? Or would you be talking about this if it was any military action that had gone 60 days without congressional uh, authorization. I do have questions about whether Libya has anything to do with our national security, but the thing is, it's really most important is not the specifics of the war, but the specifics of the Constitution, because what I fear is an unlimited presidency, and someday we have a president who starts World War III without permission of Congress. Squirrel! Right. So, well, a couple uh, of things. One, I'm noticing that the War Powers Resolution has kind of degenerated into the War Powers Act by the media, the New York yes. Times specifically. Yes, the War Powers Act. The second Act thing is that has to be noted here is that the War Powers Resolution actually allows the president to go 90 days. Well, that's the 60 plus 30. Yeah, 60 yeah, plus that, 30. Well, right. he hasn't gotten there yet. No, but so there's a non-story. But the War Powers Act of 1941 is different from the War Powers Resolution of 1973, and a resolution carries very different weight than an act. And Obama didn't even do this under the he he. If, remember, I read what his uh, attorney general assistant had written about why this was constitutional. They didn't say it was part of the War Powers Resolution. They just said, "Hey, screw you! This is part of NATO." Well, and of course, you're overlooking the main thing. It was uh, only going to be a matter of days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's just going to say, look, uh, this was, uh, was going to be a number of days, but he started to hunt his people down like rats. <laughs> you know, you got nowhere with that one. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Days, days, not weeks. Hillary. I think I think one of the things you're gonna have to start doing is that you can't. I, can't I think you it. have to you have to be shouting. <laughs> yeah, if I shout, it works much better. You're right. Yeah. Hello, and I everybody. Think if you if you watch him speak, he's shouting most of the time. Michelle and the girls. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got that part down. Uh, so um, okay, uh, let me move on. I'll be done with this topic. So what were we on the lookout for? Uh, and actually, I should have saved this, but since we're talking about it, it's uh, important to do this. Uh, what happened right after this uh, important speech by our President John? What was the number one thing? What was going on? Uh, what, what? Let's see. Well, there was the, the, the NASCAR race over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, that was good. No, Andy Carvin from our National Treasure was going to oh, do your a pal. Yeah, Andy Carvin was going to do a chat. Now, remember, I called him out as a compromised shill. And boy, was I right. So you can go right now to whitehouse.gov. They've got the video, which he forgets because, you know, NPR is radio. And so he's like around radio people. So there's a camera on him, but he kind of like forgets there's a are you camera. saying the radio people are dumb? No. Well, yes. They're uh, actually they are. real radio people are very cognizant of a camera. But this one, it's like one shot. There's three guys. So there's some other guy, some other reporter, compromised douche. And then there's Andy. And then there's, you know, some guy from the State Department. They're at the State Department doing this. He's not at home. 
Conduct no, he's at the State Department. He's blogging from the State Department. He's tweeting from, from the State Department, and this is the funny thing. So he gets the. I got, I'm going to play the whole introduction. The guy says, "Hello, everybody here at the State Department." Yeah, it's so amateurish. And he's like, he's like you on the on the computer the whole time. All you hear is is this here clicking. Well, it doesn't. You your sound's much better. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm click. logging in. Click I'm lo- a lot. Wait, hold just on. Click, I gotta wait just for this click thing. on something. <laughs> just do your type. There you go. Exactly. So he forgets that he's on camera, and then now I made a mess. And then he, and then so he, and then he's like, "Well, yes." And we've got some questions from uh, Mohammed in uh, Syria. Like, really? And he's reading off the screen, and his whole. And then he says, "So this begs the question." And he's asking the State Department guy, and he's reading the script. He's reading the script right off of his MacBook. And, and when you listen to it, it's even more apparent. So listen to this. this. This just blew me away about the compromised Andy Carvin and the compromised National Treasure NPR. Hello, everyone. Uh, By the way, you hear, hey, everyone. He's trying to do it, too. He's trying to do his Obama thing. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the State Department. Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to the State Department. Uh, my name's Macon Phillips. Uh, I'm uh, Director of Digital Strategy at the White House. Uh, and uh, many of you... Uh, you hear them in the background tapping on their keyboards? Just uh, finished seeing the President's speech about the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, and uh, throughout the speech, prior to the speech, people have been on Twitter using the uh, ME speech hashtag to talk about the President's speech, uh, react and ask questions. Uh, in fact... We were uh, seeing that the uh, hashtag was trending worldwide, which makes it... John! It was trending worldwide. Did you not notice that? Um, you should be ashamed. What was the hashtag? Uh, um, M-E speech? What does M-E stand Mid- for? M- me? It's all Middle about me. East. It's all about me? Me? Me, 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 me. Yeah, Middle East. Hello, everyone. Uh, oh, and welcome shoot. to the State Hello, Department. Uh, my <laughs> name's Macon Phillips. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I didn't uh, mean to rewind. Director of Strategy it. at the White House. Uh, and uh, many of you uh, just uh, finished seeing the president's speech about the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, and uh, throughout the speech, prior to the speech, people have been on Twitter using the uh, ME speech hashtag to talk about the president's speech, uh, react and ask questions. Uh, in fact, we were uh, seeing that the uh, hashtag was trending worldwide, which makes it even more Whee! exciting uh, that we're about to start this uh, uh, new type of event. Do you still do the tech hippie? I do okay. I, I'm not the tech hippie. Okay, well, if you see the tech hippie, tell him that he should do a bit about the hashtag. Hey, man, what's with these hashtags, man? Where's the hash? <laughs> I see the tag, but I ain't no hash, man. It's a ripoff. Come on, it's a great bit. I just gave you. Okay, if, if, should you see him? Should you see him? If I uh, see him, I'm going to pass it on to him. All right, good. I'm joined today by Mark Lynch from ForeignPolicy.com uh, and Andy Carvin from NPR, who have been uh, 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 glued to their uh, screens, seeing what people are saying, and will be uh, throughout this uh, conversation with Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes uh, to talk about your reactions, get your questions about what the president just covered in his speech. Uh, so, with that, I'll hand it over to Andy. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Uh, ben, I was hoping we could start with just some general uh, 
general concepts. Now, again, listen to him just read the script, and then while the guy's answering, he's not looking at him. He's just typing like a madman. Themes that emerged on Twitter both before and and (laughs) afterwards. When we first started asking people to submit questions, we heard from several people who said they didn't even think it was worth time. So, for example, uh, someone named An Mustafa, who's from (laughs) Sudan, he said, I don't think the people here are waiting to ask questions. They've given up on the U.S. government. So, does the administration think it can actually have a positive impact when so many people in the region simply don't trust it anymore? (laughs) And he's reading this off the screen. Well, um, first of all, thanks for... Uh, now, listen. Listen to the guy's answer. Ignore what he's saying, but just listen to Andy typing and not even looking at him talk, because it's a script. Um, thanks for doing this, guys. Um, I, what I'd say, uh, Andy, is um, the president spoke about this in Cairo, um, which is that there's a lot of mistrust in the region um, that has built up over many years. You hear that? There's a mistrust of the United States and our yeah, policies. It's, like, <laughs> it's, just, ta- like it's just happening. It's like, it, exactly. I'm like, hey, that's whenever I'm talking, John's doing the same thing. He must not be actually listening to me. Uh, I listen to every word. <sighs> anyway. Here's what, let me, I'm on the Emmy speech uh, list right now. I'm looking at all the, all the different. Uh, Do you see Mustafa in there? He's way down at the bottom. Let me let me just give you the, la- the. There's three things at the very end. Once from the White House. Once from Barack Obama, which I thought was the White House, because the White House says White House, and then it says Obama, and then it says then it has a quote. And, it's, and let me just read the three in a row. This is the first one that came in, which was from the White House, but then it says Obama. We will support open access to the internet and something. The right of journalists to be heard, big news organizations, or a lone blogger. Oh, that okay. That's the White House <laughs> quoting Obama's speech, which oh, we just okay. did. Right, right. Then Obama comes on, supposedly, like he twitters. Give me a break. <laughs> Obama comes on saying, uh, speaking today about the United States policy in the Middle East and North Africa. Watch live, and then he's got a the gov the White House gov. Thing. And then it, then it goes back to the White House. This is the last thing that was uh, tweeted. The last thing that was under Emmy speech. This is the last tweet. Tweet. Obama colon cell phones and social networks allow young people to connect and organize like never before. A new generation has emerged. Hash Emmy speech. That, that was is it. so decay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you see that thing from George Takei? <laughs> Which one? Oh, so so a Tennessee apparently passed a law that uh, teachers in schools uh, can't uh, teach or talk about homosexuality. Uh, which, of course, is outrageous. And I think the reason their reasoning is because homosexuals do not do not reproduce in a natural manner. Some some bull crap. It's a law. They don't reproduce. They don't reproduce. <laughs> they don't reproduce. Not my point exactly. Um, so, but I think they're not even allowed to say gay or anything. Who knows? Mickey, take Tennessee off the list. So we got to go down there and we got to straighten out uh, some lawmakers in Tennessee. And George Takei, you know who he is, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Sulu from Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, a strong activist for gay rights. And as a bi-curious man, I, uh, always follow him uh, closely. And here is what he had to Don't say. Don't follow him too closely. Go on. <laughs> and here's what he he's guys. I love this guy. He's I'd go to K for to K. Hi, I'm George to A bill recently approved by a Tennessee Senate committee would prohibit teachers in that state from discussing homosexuality in the classroom. The so-called don't say gay law <laughs> is premised on the misguided belief that by not talking about gay people, 
They can simply make us disappear. I'm here to tell Tennessee and all LGBT youth and teachers who would be affected by this law that I am here for you. In fact, I'm lending my name to the cause. Anytime you need to say the word gay, you can simply say Takei. <laughs> for example, you could safely proclaim you are a supporter of Takei marriage. If you're in a more festive mood, you can march in a Takei pride parade. <laughs> Even homophobic slurs don't seem as hurtful if someone says, That is so Takei. <laughs> I love this guy. And I thank him for giving us a word we can use now. That is so Takei. You almost have his voice. Hey, oh my. You got to have more more. I, I, I can uh, do it. I can, I can do it. Oh my. That is yeah, so Takei. That is so Takei. Oh, I got a so Takei. He's great. So I'm looking out, out, out the window. There's a, not that I'm bored. <laughs> but I'm looking out the window because there, there's a car out there with a bunch of uh, looks like uh, missionaries, and they're having a meeting. Missionaries in the or mercenaries? Missionaries. Oh, wow! That doesn't sound. What the heck they're doing? They're all gathered around some paperwork. Um, what do missionaries do? They go door to door, either for the uh, you know Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or who knows who. Oh well, if uh, if they knock on the door, let them and get them, put them on the show. I gotta go all the way downstairs. Forget it. I'm not gonna answer the door if they come. Put I never, I rarely show. do. I bet you they don't. That no one wants to walk all the way up to your door. I've been to your they place. They do all the time, and really? then they leave us pamphlet. Oh my gosh! Because yeah. that's quite a hike. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> a quarter of a mile of steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the steps from The Exorcist. So um, this was kind of interesting, and I think we need to pay attention to it. This is uh, from our department known Shadow as... Shadow Puppet Theater! So we have all these, uh, you know, the Patriot Act's going to be extended, and all of a sudden, Philip Reidinger, I think that's how you pronounce his name, was the top information security official at the Department of Homeland Security, is going to step down from his post starting June 1st. And, um, you know, he's like, uh, he's going to, I want to spend time with my family. Well... We know that is, that's a, I mean, when someone says that, John, what does that mean? It means they're quitting. Yeah, well, it means st spend more time with his family. Um, so, These are fired. No, I don't think so. So, so first of all, it'd be very interesting to see the, a replacement has not been announced yet. However, there is someone who is being uh, pundited as a possible replacement, and that would be John Gilligan. Uh, let me see if that's, uh, yes, Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. Now, he has a consulting firm with a $100 million contract with the Air Force Secure Network Securite. Uh, what's the name of his company here? I don't know what his, com his company name is, but so he might be the guy coming in. Or we might see Reitinger go uh, take a job... Uh, with with Gilligan's company, these people have no shame. This revolving door that keeps spinning round and round and round. By the way, Reitinger also worked at Microsoft as a chief trustworthy infrastructure strategist. Oh, that thing never went got off the ground. What was that? Oh, uh, they came up with a scheme to uh, to hopefully to end the virus problem and all the rest of it. And you have these <laughs> right. this trustworthy 
it was a, it was just a bunch of I don't know it was like some way of of ensuring the fact that if I sent you an email it came from me and there's a whole bunch of oh, know, it's elements called, it's so there's PG- a bunch of security crap that nobody could execute. Yeah. It's called you know, PGP. I, I, I think we should we should shift gears here. Okay. Uh, and change the you know, I I don't know why because I ne- rarely watch a NASCAR race <laughs> and I'm always trying to figure out why I uh, why would, you're watching. Would, why I would watch one, and there was a good one this weekend. You're watching for the crashes. Well, you do that, obviously. But I was I decided that I'm actually watching for the botched announcers. Oh. And uh, tell me if you can find the misuse of words or kind of uh, find it, see if you can find the gaffe in this NASCAR report. Let's set it up. They're talking to different drivers in the car. Right. Oh, the drivers are the drivers are doing 200 miles an hour, and they're talking back to them. No, no, they're sitting there waiting oh. for the next for a restart. Okay, is that the cue? Yeah, hit it. We try to see what we can do. Um, we just don't know what to expect here, and I don't, I don't want to tear the car up. But if I can get up there and see that front front row, those front two guys, um, we're definitely going to put it on them. All right, thank you, Jimmy. Let's go to Dick Bergeron. Carl Edwards is sitting in the car and talking to his crew chief and his engineers. This conversation has gone on since he parked the car. Yeah, he's shitting in the car. I heard it. Was that me or is that the guy actually said that? I think the guy actually said that. <laughs> and you know someone in the control room's going like, Ugh! Uh, here's what well, besides the here's what got uh, me. Yeah. Not one person laughs or or says anything about it. Says anything or makes a reference. He's doing I mean, I, I would have been if I was on the set, I would have said, He was doing what in the car? Yeah. I mean anything, but no, nothing. <laughs> That's why you watch NASCAR. It's that now we know. Yep. That's the obvious reason. I wanted to know who was shitting in the car. That is so funny. That's funny. Well, there was another gaffe, but kind of more of a political one. Have you been following the super injunction stuff in uh, Gitmo Nation <laughs> East? This, I mean, I have a clip. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Okay, what's your clip? Well, you talking about the Scotland uh, scandal? Well, the Bank of Scotland guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, this is the Lord, the Lord speaking. Well, here's the deal. The guy, okay, this ex- is actually, ex- we got to talk about it because this is really interesting what this is, super injunction stuff is. So how do you understand this? this a, you're talking about the gag order against the guy who's the head of the Bank of Scotland? No, 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 no. That's, that's two different things. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, then. let me, okay. So the super injunction is there's now a law. That or there always has been a law, but it's been overused. That you can uh, the rich and powerful essentially can hire a lawyer. So I think this happened with uh, I think Wayne Rooney, who's uh, one of the most famous uh, soccer players. You know he, ah, he hookers blow whatever it was. He didn't want it in the press. So you can go to a judge and you can get a super injunction, and then the press is not allowed to report on it. This is crazy, right? This yeah, is- this is the same thing that's going on with the head of the Bank of Scotland. There's a BBC report, I think, may summarize a little bit of this. Okay. And and it turns out that you can get around the super injunction yeah. if somebody in the House of Lords stands up and just says this thing that's supposed to be enjoined. Right. Because you can't stop them from saying it. And so they got around the situation here. This, this is kind of a, a this is part of the problem. And th- this is your clip here, the Bank of Scotland clip? 
Yeah, well, your your cues are not the best today. Go hit it. Well, I, you, you're of course wonderful for you. If ah, sorry, wrong one. Here in Britain, a legal gagging order preventing the media reporting allegations about the former head of the Royal Bank of Scotland, Sir Fred Goodwin, has been lifted after it was challenged in the House of Lords. June Kelly has this report. Top City Bankers are not usually known by their nicknames, but he was Fred the Shred, <laughs> Sir Fred Goodwin, the man who was at the helm of the Royal Bank of Scotland when it had to be bailed out with £20 billion of taxpayers' money. In the past, the focus has been on his pension payout, but now it's on his private life. In a rare moment of high drama in the House of Lords, a Lib Dem peer used parliamentary privilege to raise the stakes in the injunction debate. Would he accept that every taxpayer has a direct public interest in the events leading up to the collapse of the Royal Bank of Scotland? So how can it be right for a super injunction to hide the alleged relationship between Sir Fred Goodwin and a senior colleague? Fast forward a few hours to the courts and with the allegations now out in the open, a judge agreed to vary the injunction. Sir Fred can be named, but there's still a ban on details of the alleged sexual relationship and the other person involved. This is so crazy. I mean, why aren't the British people burning things in the street over this? Like, anyone just get a super injunction and then the... Okay, just won't report on it, even if it's about, I don't know, your money. There is a similar law in Canada. Oh, really? Well, it's part of the Commonwealth, so that doesn't surprise me. The Canadians complain about this bitterly, and they uh, so they end up for two reasons. One, they don't they can't find anything out from their own news organizations. They have to look for Americans, hopefully, to cover a story. And most of the stories in Canada are not covered by us. And so they and they also the second reason they hate it is because it makes the Canadian news cover more American stories, which they can cover because <laughs> they got to cover something. Yeah, they got to fill up airtime. Yeah, it's annoying. By the way, I think I'm missing the cues because I haven't had any coffee. <coughs> that's uh, that's a local issue. <laughs> that is a completely a hyper local issue. And by the way, uh, the the super injunction. I suspect that this guy, this shreddy shredder, fredder, or whatever, Fre- shred, Fred the shred, Fred the shred. Yeah, I believe it's a, some sort of gag thing going on with him. Oh, and they well, don't want to name anybody. So uh, the clip I have is a little different. This is one of these uh, douchebag lords who's saying, well, you know, this is actually quite good. It really is because, you know, we, uh, 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 the elitist people, uh, they should have this. Uh, although it doesn't quite, it only, it doesn't go for Twitter. This is another part of the conversation that apparently if you tweet something under, oh, hello, darling. Well, it's, it's nice. Yeah, thank you. It's cool that you're naked. Um, not you, John. Yeah. Yeah. Hot pockets, baby. Um, but anyway, listen to this uh, this Lord douchebag and the gaff he makes because he really sums it up in his gaff, in his tell about what this is really what this super injunction is really for. Of course, wonderful for you if a member of Parliament stands up in Parliament um, and says something which, in effect, means that an anon- uh, an order of the court on anonymity is breached. But you do need to think, do you not? whether it's a very good idea for our lawmakers to be, in effect, flouting a court order just because they disagree with the order, or for that matter, because they disagree with the law of privilege, of privacy. Hey! 
The law of privilege. I mean, that's great. I'm well, he's <laughs> bitching about this other guy. I'm, I'm sure because you in Parliament you can say whatever you want because you you have a certain amount of rights in there, and so uh, that so it, it, you can flounce. It's not really flouting anything because you have the ability to make to to come up and say whatever you want. Yep. So that's so this guy is. You're right. This guy is a, a stooge. Who was that? Lord, uh, lordy, lordy. They should vote him. Well, you can't vote him out as a lord. <laughs> I think he kind of gets to hang around. Uh, stinks. Someone in the chat room will know. So just listen to that again, and then listen to the bit over Twitter. I mean, this guy, the elitist society in Gitmo Nation East is really out of control. I mean, just listen to how this guy's talking. And then the law of privilege. I'm in privacy. <laughs> Think, do you not? Yeah. Whether it's a very good idea for our lawmakers to be, in effect, flouting a court order just because they disagree with the order, <laughs> or for that matter, because they disagree with the law of privilege, of uh, privacy, which Parliament has created. In their report, the judges also said super injunctions and other injunctions can only be granted when they are strictly necessary. Where privacy and confidentiality are involved, a degree of secrecy is often necessary <laughs> to do justice. <laughs> it's secrecy is needed, I tell you. That's what we have. But where secrecy is ordered, uh, it should only be to the extent strictly necessary to achieve the interests of justice. And when it is ordered, the facts of the case and the reason for, for secrecy should be explained as far as possible in an openly available judgment. Under new rules for judges, any members of the media who would be subject to an injunction would be told beforehand and subject to a confidentiality agreement. Bloggers and users of social network sites such as Twitter would not necessarily be covered. Uh, it does add to the difficulties of enforcement, there's no doubt about that. Uh, at the moment, uh, uh, the, the law seems to be that even if the information which is the subject matter of the injunction is on the web, Web. may go on the web. web that is by no means the same degree of intrusion onto privacy as the story being what <laughs> wait, wait as the story as the story being emblazoned on the front page of a national newspaper yes oh, i live in the in the 18th century you see my name is lord frothy mix this is bull crap and these are the lords. These are, these are the guys that are... These guys don't know what Twitter is. They should be, if they're going to ban... <laughs> it's if they're the gonna web. One of these injunctions is they should definitely ban the social networks. It's the web. It's, it's whatever. And the web it's, it's, it's the just web. A, whatever the web is. It's the, it's, the, it's a series of tubes. And I, as Lord Frothy Mix, say... Well, they're just asking for trouble. All they're doing now is... is set up. Is, 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 well, essentially, when you... When you if you're going to take the approach that he's taking, you're just asking to dis to further destroy the viability of newspapers. Because now people are going to get well, a newspaper. They don't, they don't have this information, but it's all over the Internet. Yes. How's that beneficial to what their their scheme is? It's not. No. They I'm, should have. I, not that I'm taking their side, but I'm just saying it's illogical. Yeah. It just shows you. I can't believe people stand for this. And of course, the, the, the law is only being related, really, to like celebrity scandals. You know, another thing that, that we haven't really been following, but it's how's Fred the Shred a, a celebrity? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, the, the the in the in the papers, they're really talking more about Wayne Rooney and him trying to keep his extramarital affairs out of the press than about Fred the Shred. 
You know how it works. Like, keep the people entertained with some other distraction. Uh, but there's also this phone hacking scandal. Do you follow any of that? I don't know anything about it. It was Rupert Murdoch, the son. They, uh, they hacked into, like, voicemail of hundreds of politicians and celebrities. And, and what is unclear to me is if it was a flaw in the voicemail system and you didn't need a code or something or actual hacking was going on, but they call it hacking. And uh, this has been going on for a long time. And now big-name celebrities are coming out and suing um, uh, the uh, News Corp for hundreds of thousands and some millions of pounds uh, for intrusion of privacy. And but they were doing this to politicians too. So I mean, Murdoch is like the CIA over there, man. <laughs> and it's it's I mean it's it's hard to follow because if you're really in the milieu uh, of the newspaper scene and everything, when you're living there, it's much easier to follow along what's what's going on. But it's just it's out of control. And Murdoch, you know, this is actually he's looking pretty bad in all of this. I mean, these guys were just like really tapping people's phones. And, you know, voicemail, and particularly in the U.K., I think voicemail is used a lot more. Um, and, uh, yeah, some big celebrities have sued successfully, but politicians, too. So, the, you know, Murdoch's got the dirt on everybody. He probably knows about Fred the Shred's frothy mix. It's quite disturbing. Thanks, Thom. <laughs> the way me Thom. I'm, I'm not Thom. You're a thumb. Thank you, darling. Well, I got a couple of. Uh, well, we, you still after. We, we should do some thanks uh, here. I think you know. Uh, as we go into our segment here, uh, this was something that was sent to me that I found uh, to be a perfect lead into our segment. As you know, we do not take money from commercial entities. Uh, can you just imagine if we took any money? It would be so easy for us to do commercials for any Johnson and Johnson product, right? I mean, it'd be simple, right? Uh, and we couldn't. And we, if that were the case, we wouldn't be able to. We'd be telling you that the Unabomber actually was uh, was responsible for poisoning the. Uh, we'd Tylenol. be getting a memo. We'd have a meeting. Yeah, it's like, uh, listen, guys. Um, you know, we we're going to pull the Unabomber out uh, because he clearly tampered. We think it was him, and we're going to do some DNA testing. So, could you just um, like do that as a lead story? Sure, sure, we'll do that. Uh, this is uh, from Gitmo Nation East, uh, a little ditty that will take us into our donation segment uh, that shows you how worthless the mainstream, uh, particularly news radio media is. This is a, a British version, but uh, anyone in America will get the gist as well. It's hilarious. Um, and it I think it really punches home the reason why uh, supporting this show is much better than being the product of crap like this. This is the news and now a very important news sting. newsreader and these are the headlines in order first the main local news story followed by another sting a large national news story and another sting and finally an international item that possibly won't interest you as much larger sting to finish it all off Good morning, evening, it's the time. Now, the first of those headlines in more detail. Our lead story today involves a local group who are campaigning against something that could affect you or someone you know in the future. With even more detail, here's a young-sounding lady. I'm here with more detail on this story. I'm used here because a different voice makes it sound as though I'm a specialist in this particular field and have managed to source some previously unavailable information. To back this up, I asked a man a question. And here is my comment. 
From the bit of research <laughs> I did, I'm now able to challenge the man's comment before handing back to the original newsreader after this unnecessary jingle. <laughs> Unless the story is building in an area further away from you and therefore not of such immediate importance. So no dramatic news tabs here, just this one to separate it from the international story. <laughs> With all the sports news, here's a male voice. Thanks to the newsreader from me as I begin in a noticeably more casual manner. After all, this is just a sport not to be taken too seriously. I have a football story to start with, as that's a big audience puller. And this quote from a professional football manager. Yeah, well, obviously, this is where I come in with a comment about the game that just took place. I make an off-the-cuff comment before analysing some other sport and handing back to the newsreader after this stab. Up of the main stories, even though you heard them all a couple of minutes ago, I emphasise the main story in my tone of voice. And now the weather after this weather jingle. Dry comment about how shit the weather is in our part of the world before signing off with a reminder that the news will be on again in one hour. <laughs> how awesome is that? That's pretty I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. And we do have a few people to thank, and we want to get to them, uh, including uh, Lawrence McBride from Moortown, Merseyside, UK. $111.11 without comment. David C. Pugh, North Canton, Ohio, $100. And he says, in the morning. In the morning. Carrie Chim. Um, Fairfield, Ohio. Thanks for being the voice of reason in the world of crap. <laughs> I just need some karma. Yeah. Harvard, do not play the jingle. Oh, 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 oh. It sounds like the same jingle in Hannity's crappy radio show when he's hanitizing an audience member. What? I just need. He's, he's doing what? He's hanitizing. I don't know. I've never. He I don't. Hanitizes people? I have no idea. I, I can't. He. <laughs> what was that again? He's a douchebag. Douchebag. I just need to karma so I can get off my butt and do something with my downtime. I now have, uh, since becoming a single once again, can I have a no agenda brick? $65 from uh, Kerry. Janice, wow. Ultjebruns. Hmm. Uh, I would say Ultjebruns. Okay, it could be. In Hartford, South Dakota, a uh, new uh, donor and one of our female listeners. Hi, guys. I need to be de-douched. You've been de-douched. I've listened for a couple of years. And I can't uh, do any of the big donation amounts, so here it is. Oh, that's great. Also, we, we got a mail in from Noel Vicente from Points Unknown, uh, 5210. He says, I love John and Adam. This is all I can do. Sorry, I'm poor. So, oh, but you know, I love this. That's heartwarming to me. It's heartwarming. <coughs> John Taccarino in Hillsboro, New Jersey. In the morning, John and Adam, a first time donor, figured out this coming rapture is a good time to, uh, as any, to ship over some cash for your cause. If you're reading this, then we survived. <laughs> your show is fantastic for information and entertainment during the commutes and runs. Please hit me in the mouth with some karma for my upcoming wedding. You've got karma. Also registered domain abhorrentadministration.com. <laughs> <laughs> I can't the even, I can't even spell it. 
<laughs> abhorrent, abhorrentadministration.com, forwarding to the noagendashow.com cool. to add to our inventory of sites. Yes, and quite an inventory it is. Vivian Hingsburg, we have to put a, together a list. Yeah, yeah, I'll get right on. I'll get right on that. Vivian, okay. Vivian Hingsburg, Berg, uh, Burlington, Ontario. In the morning, gentlemen, here's hoping we're all still alive. Fifty-two ten hugs. As she's female, female listener, listener number, number two. two. Yeah. JamesFreeHollowBooks.com apparently sold a hollow book. Thanks to Richard Livings of Ames, Iowa, purchased a hollow book from the No Agenda section of the new FreeHollowBooks.com site where every book is now $50 and gets you an instant mention on the show. That's so awesome. We, you know, I think we've had quite a lacking of cool premiums that the producers have done. I mean, for a while we were really rocking it out there with the challenge coins and dice and all kinds of stuff. and. And people have just kind of like, I don't know, it seems like they've given up. And the Free Hollow Books guy has been around since almost the beginning of the show, actually. Yeah, and these books long are great, by the way. Yeah, I, we, I've got a couple, and uh, they never cease to You have amaze. a couple? Yeah, I have... Uh, you have two. I have... Uh, by Ayn Rand. And I have uh, some other one. John Lake in Sacramento, California, $50. Chris Geelan, Sir Chris. Geelan. Geelan. Okay, here we go. <laughs> ich heb het well gehad mit die Eichhorn tige vor let's anders. Squirrel! Did you get what he said? What you just yeah. said? What? He said that it's about time that we moved on to the next donation. No, no, we're clear. Oh. He says, uh, Ich heb het wel gehad mit die Eichhorn. Tijd voor iets anders. Which means, I think I've kind of had it with that damn squirrel. Squirrel! Time for something else. Rory Glynn, Dalky Dublin, Ireland. Oy. Interesting. Yeah. Please wish Michelle Laherty happy 21st birthday. 24th, we're going to do that in a second. Give her some karma. Yeah, we'll give her that right now. You've she's got, got a, a karma. Upcoming college project. It's a biggie, and she's really worried about Aww. it. Okay, well, that to be our donors for this week's show. We want to thank everybody and everyone who gave lesser amounts, and there's quite a few of you, and uh, we appreciate this is what keeps the show going. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing the show, so it's um, oriented toward the listeners. And we do not turn you into the product ever. No. Uh, I do have a couple quick mentions. Uh, hi, Adam. This is uh, Slave to the Wage John. I've had this. Is, I just picked this one out of the stack. It was a beautiful letter. I've had two five dollar monthly donations for about uh, two years now. Listeners since show number one. Stop listening for a while since the show got a bit crazy around show seventy. I don't know what happened then, but picked it up again. Listen to the shows that I missed. He went back and was, uh, doing the backlog, which I always find fascinating that people do that. I'm pending some major employment prospects, which hopefully will all come off. But I believe I'll believe it when I see it. Would love some show karma. Uh, will retrospectively donate as the financial improvements uh, would be major. Also love a karma shot for a hero of mine. I uh, was a personal but distant friend. The Latvian Janis Nords. I hope he's doing well back in Riga. I guess you can uh, Google the guy. I have no idea exactly what he is. But anyway, uh, thank you for being such a long and loyal supporter of the show with two $5 a month no, uh, donations. for. Uh, so he says, yeah, if he keeps it up, he'll be a knight in four and a half years. So here's your... You've <laughs> got karma. karma. And, and we appreciate it. There's lots of people. There's still people on the $2 a month uh, program, but you do have to continuously uh, check and make sure that you're still being, uh, that you, your donations are still going through. Uh, we notice that PayPal sometimes mysteriously kicks people off. I think a majority of people, their credit card maxes out or 
um, your credit card expires and you get a new one, and then you and if you don't, PayPal doesn't helpfully remind you that just like. And by the way, I don't understand this as a business case. What kind of? <laughs> I don't either. It doesn't of, make any sense. I mean, they make money off of it. They actually make money, and it's like instead of like, hey, your credit card's about to expire. Hello, 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 hello. It's just like, oh well, I guess it won't work You're anymore. You're done. We'll pull the plug on it. Stupid PayPal people. I never, I never really understood that. Um, and as John pointed out, we want to uh, thank uh, everyone who donates. You are you are not the product. You are actually supporting this product, and uh, you can continuously do that 24-7. Dvorak.org slash N-A. So, uh, Rory Glynn, who uh, you just heard supported the show with a uh, $50 uh, giving level, wants to wish Michelle Laherty, I think that's how you pronounce it, Laherty, a very happy 24th uh, birthday. We already gave her a karma shot. And also, we want to uh, congratulate Janice Kang with her belated birthday. Greetings here on the show from your buddies at No Agenda. It's your birthday, yeah. And it's nice that uh, we have, because uh, it was kind of short today. Uh, the list, but we do have uh, two people we can knight who came in strong. We're very, very happy about that. You got the blade there, uh, Johnny Boy? You got your, Here it comes. Uh, yeah. Ooh. James Irvine and Gavin Warren, please step forward. Extend your middle finger. No, no, the other one. There you go. Because that's what we're going to be slipping a No Agenda Night ring on very soon. But first, we need to thank you for your giving level up to $1,000 in support of the No Agenda Podcast Program show. So I hereby knight thee, Sir James Irvine and Sir Gavin Warren. Both of you are now knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Gentlemen, please step over here and enjoy your hookers and blow. The Chardonnay and Rent Boys, as you please. It's all here. And thank you very much for that uh, support. And I can't wait until uh, we actually have the rings in our hands. Uh... I just can't wait. I'm, I'm very excited about this. I think it'll be very aspirational. I think a lot of people will love getting one. And uh, it'll be great for me because then finally I can propose to Miss Mickey because then I have a ring. <laughs> I'm going to stick a little diamond on it. I'd like to it. see that. Oh, no, no, she knows. I'm going uh-huh. to you know, take get like a diamondique. <laughs> I'm going to go to the jeweler and get a diamondique set on top of the ring. So if you get hit in the, in the mouth by Miss Mickey, you, it'll cut you. Yeah, which is going to happen. <laughs> but it's going to be your mouth. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh. So, so I, I want to get to something I uh, I don't know how to even describe it, but I've been kind of watching a lot of crap. And uh, one of the things uh, <laughs> I saw the other day was a movie called uh, Crime in the Streets from 1956, one of those old John Cassavetes movies that are just corny and crummy and... I ended up with some clips. Wait a minute. Is this going to be like clips that no one's going to understand because we're like no, no, this a, is, this of, is a, this, this is, generation? This is a clip that represents the thinking. We have to think of the oh. muddy, the kind of weird kind of quote. I don't know how to even describe it, but the kind of crazy thinking that went on in the 50s during the era of punks and gangs and you know Blackboard Jungle and West, all these West Side things. Story. It, it's leading into West Side Story, which I believe came out in the '60s. When you're a jet, you're a jet all your life. From and so, it, so that I don't know who wrote these, this dialogue, but I never had the impression. And if you watch, listen to it now, this dialogue, 
it's just that you 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 can't imagine people actually talking like this. It just was like it was ridiculous. I got a hole in my shirt. My brother's wearing my underwear. My mother's sticking a thumb in some slob soup. Is that what you want? Okay, you got it. Now let me ask you something. Who did it to me? Who put the stink in my room? Who told me every time I want to be alone, I got to go out there and squat on that fire escape? Who told me if I stop littering the streets, I'm going to go to heaven? Come on, name him. Tell me. Because I'm sitting waiting to get even. And when I find him, I'm going to spill his brains in the gutter. And if you think there's anybody anywhere that can stop me, you're out of your mind. And let me tell you something, social worker. There's nobody anywhere that can stop me. Sounds like Jackie Gleason. So that was Cassavetes. And it's like... Uh does, did anybody ever talk like this? And then, the, then, then the real kicker is: um, go skip to number two. The real kicker is the way they portrayed ethnics. It's kind of uh, <laughs> really <laughs> kind of ethnics. You mean African Americans or Hispanic Americans? No, eth- you'll see. You, when you, don't have to get question. Me, just you, let it go. Talk to me. I, I don't know you because we don't talk no more. Just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't turn your back. What do you want out of me? Talk nice to me. Leave me alone. Your mom's in the back. She's afraid to come out because we fight. You take a look at her sometime. Skin's like paper. Wrinkle. Feet hurt. Has changed color. Used to be shiny black. (laughs) Baby, what are you doing to her? She stand up at the counter all day long, working for the Bayou Gangster Jet. Give me that. Give me that. I gotta get out of here. Hornets. Stand on the street corner and talk dirty when a girl's walk by. Fight, steal, yell, hate. Against everything. No respect. Just tough. You know, good tough. You know, I, I really miss those days when... Uh, <laughs> What was this guy? Is he supposed to be Italian? I don't know. No, it was a mix between Italian. What are you talking about? I don't know how to the mama and Ricky Ricardo. Lucy! <laughs> that's why I said, that's why I used the word ethnic, because yeah. I don't know. But back in the day, we could do that. And in the 70s, we still had, hey, yo, Mama Gemma, yo, yo what's happening, bro? What blood was up? You can't do that anymore. That, that well, would that, be- but that voice is not, is that, and nobody, nobody talked like that. Yeah, they did. That's exactly how they talked. <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? Exa- Remember Starsky and Hutch? Hey, Starsky Hutch, Huggy Bear, what's going down? My brothers, my brother. You can't do that anymore on television because it's racist. It's not allowed anymore. But if you listen to the hip-hop community, that's never accurately portrayed on television the way the hip-hop community communicates. Ever. You don't see true hip hoppers on. T- In fact, tonight you'll see it on the Douchebag Billboard Awards. We got to watch that, John. The Billboard. The Douchebag Billboard Awards? Yes, it's actually, I think it is branded as the Douchebag Billboard Awards. Huh. Uh, and everyone's going to be there. Bono, Michelle Obama. Everyone's going to be at the Douchebag. So bag. I guess Bono can't, went on to a six, or maybe 60 Minutes and Nightline and, and threw a, his director of the. Uh, Spider-Man movie under the bus. Yeah, that's right. Uh, is that uh, what's it called? Julie, 
Julie Ch- Tamar, Tramar, whatever her name is. Isn't it like an inconvenient truth is what it's called or something like that? Inconvenient truth about no, Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Spider-Bus? What is it? I don't know. I wasn't listening. What, what did you just say? She, you weren't paying attention to what I said? <laughs> no, I, I heard some of it. I was looking for something else. <laughs> Bono came on Nightline and I guess 60 Minutes and maybe some other things and threw the director of Spider-Man oh, under the bus. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood because there's a movie coming out. He said, he made the quote saying, you know, we, I, we all agreed with the New York Times. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's not how Bono talks. If you're going to do Bono, then I think you should do the voice. Do it. No, you should do it. I don't know how it's Bono talks. I never pay much attention to him. I'm not a big Bono fan. So it's the, something like this. So the Edge, the Edge started the band, and uh, he let me come in. I'm still ever so grateful for him for let me in the band. And uh, Spider Man, you know, we wrote wrote the songs, but the director was shit. It's more like it's kind of more like basically my, what he said. By the way, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of more like my John Lennon. I'm not. I don't know if it was really. Yeah, good. you John. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss Huggy Bear. That's all I know. Oh. I'm, I miss Huggy Bear. Don't you miss Huggy Bear? No. Oh, I, I was never a big fan of that show. And we, now we got, like, 50 Cent. 50, you can't understand. 50, you should follow 50 Cent on Twitter. That guy's funny. Too, if, you, you, you use the Twitters, don't you, John? I'm a big Twitter nut. Okay, so there's two thing, two people you need to follow. One is 50 Cent. And the Why? Other, you will crack up. You will crack up at what this. Hey, look, you want to know what's going on in popular popular culture? Do you want to be hip with the kids? Know it with it. You want to be able to communicate with your small human resources? You know that the JC Jay they're 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 following the fifty cents, and you also want to follow white girl problems. That's the best one. White girl problems. <laughs> white, yeah, at white girl problems. <laughs> these are great. These, if you want to look, man, what are you just out there just to crowdsource stuff? You got a page follow. doesn't exist. Really? Huh. White girl press. Got to be something else. Maybe it's white girl problem. I thought it was white girl problems. Oh. No, it's not. Uh, well, Mickey will come in in a minute and correct me. It's not white girl problem either. Mm. Huh. Maybe it's a hashtag. Okay, what other tips do you have for me? Well, those are those are my two main tips. But there's nothing there. It's a dead site. No, well, hold on. We'll figure it out in a minute. Meanwhile, uh, what's fifth? What's fifty cents? Yeah, I think it's F I D D Y S E N T. I think it's fifty cent, John. Try that. F five zero C E N T. But you can just do fifty cent. That's right. There's nothing there. <laughs> Maybe you need to connect your browser to the internet. Maybe <laughs> it is. It looks like it is fifty five zero. So cents. it's white girl problem is uh, does exist. I don't know what you're looking at, but the chat room is uh, is absolutely saying it exists. The girl is. Hold on. Girl, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What? Girl is G R L. Oh, white girl, girl problem. problem. Oh, White's John, can't you spell? Don't you know how to spell? It's girl. It's G R L. There's no I in girl. Is it G R L or G R R L? I think it's G R R L, to be exact. What is going on with our culture? <laughs> this is bad. This is so bad. And you know, by the way, Mickey comes in like I'm in such a like I'm an idiot. You know, it's girl G R L. You know, like I'm supposed to know this. It would be two R's. I've never seen G R L. Mm. 
So I'm looking at 50 Cent's thing here. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to Ireland on the 30th for the Waterford Music Fest. I Be there. I've heard oh, his, this is fascinating. I've heard his thing is huge. No, Me he, and Nicole yeah. get this shit now on iTunes, and he's plugging one of his songs. It The Kid, 50 What Up. Yeah, I there told you go. You guys, there. I was going to buy Uber Social, LOL. There you go. So he's you got your inside technology tips. He's he's got four point six million followers. I have a lot of meetings today. I'm going to <laughs> to the bread. You already know. LOL. <laughs> I was in movie mode, but I had a mobile studio <laughs> writing in my free time. I feel good about this album. Yeah, yeah. Now keep going. Do the. You got to do the voice. I don't know his voice. Yeah, well, you do. You're doing pretty good there. Just reading. Yeah. I'm back in action. Did anyone miss me? LOL. Just, what is this guy? He sucks. What are you doing big time? I love your show. LOL. Call me. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can keep up with pop culture by following this guy. Not. Hey, did you see that the president uh, pardoned a couple of people? This was really... Already? Yeah. And But listen to, to their offense. I really didn't understand this. Their offenses. So he pardoned eight people. Randy and I, I Googled these people. I'm like, you know, I was like, there's got to be some something going on here. But I don't understand why he does this. And it's, it's like the craziest offenses. It's like uh, one guy. Here we go. Uh, Randy Eugene Dyer from Bury in Washington. Offense. Conspiracy to import marijuana. Hashish. Conspiracy to remove baggage from the custody and control of the U.S. Customs Service and convey false information concerning an attempt to damage a civil aircraft. And he was sentenced in 1975 to five years in prison and two years of special parole. How could... I don't understand. Isn't he done? Hasn't he served his time? Why is he getting a pardon now? Well, to, to, to expunge his record? Oh, is that it? Okay, well, this is all expungement because they're all really old. Here, 1980... Danny Alonzo Levitez, Angola, Indiana, uh, offenses conspiracy, and it's 18 U.S.C. Section 371, which I think is uh, uh, a fraud against the state, uh, against the country, probably like tax thing. But that was from 1980, two years probation, $400 fine. What is this? Are these like uh, relatives of I don't know. We should look into it. This sounds. This is weird. Or maybe just make goods. I have no idea. Well, this I you know now that you mention it because it's expungement from records because all of this is pre. Like I said, there's only one from 2000 here. Patricia Ann Weinzati, offense: structuring transactions to evade reporting requirements. Sentence August 15, 2001. Three years probation, five thousand dollar fine. This is probably kids or. Cousins or grandchildren of senators. Is this like this? Got to be political favoritism. But here, yeah, obviously, Christine Marie Rossiter of Lincoln, Nebraska, conspiracy to distribute less than fifty kilograms of marijuana. Hello, fifty Ks, fifty keys, wow. fifty keys. Uh, <laughs> sentenced uh, to uh, three years probation, conditioned on performance of five hundred hours of community service. But th- uh, here. Bobby Gerald Wilson, Somerton, South Carolina, aiding and abetting the possession and sale of illegal American alligator hides. <laughs> and he was sentenced in 1986, uh, 85, uh, amended in 86, three and one half months in prison, five years probation, condition on performance of 300 hours of community service. This must be expungement. This, 
there's something weird going on with this. We, we need somebody needs to follow. But I don't want to back back up on the show. But I did find white girl problem, and it is GRL. Mickey was right. Yeah, of course. Duh. So let me. Can I just read a couple of these fascinating posts? Yeah, but you have to. Ha, 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 you have to do it like a girl. Let me just read a couple of these fascinating posts. I'm not sure if I have any friends. <laughs> Judge me. Osama's been dead to me for a long time. They tried to me- make me go to rehab, and I said, Chick, when's my flight? <laughs> Where are you? 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 <laughs> my prince will have hair. Well, now I know... What I want my wedding to look like. I'm obsessed with how obsessed you are with me. Actually, you know what? Cancel my order. I'll just have an espresso. <laughs> these are these are these are banal crap. Huh. You know what it is? By doing this, I now have uh, completed the no agenda soundboard. That is so decay. <laughs> we have a plethora of show openings now. From you. It's just perfect. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. This is the whole point. This And how many followers? How many millions of followers for White Not Guru? Not millions, but she does have a, a, a goodly amount. 254,508. Yeah, well, this is and what... And she's following two. Yeah. <laughs> she's which a, is against the rules. She's a bot. She's a bot. It's bullcrap. <laughs> so anyone who's following this idiot is an idiot. Michael Ray Neal... Convicted in 1991 of manufacture, assembly, modification, and distribution of equipment for unauthorized decryption of satellite cable programming. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> he got a presidential pardon. How about the guy that, like, Troy, what's his name, Troy Williams? The guy who's actually on trial, on death row. How about pardoning someone who matters, President Obama? What is this? Please. I, I call the I call the Minutemen. I invoke the Minutemen right now. I need to understand what these presidential pardons are about. There is something very strange and fishy and stinky about it, and I don't like it. And I want to know what it is. Why don't we pardon? You know, there's guys on death row that's questionable whether they committed the crime, and they're not getting a pardon. Now, how about that? Ki- you know, I was thinking, Michelle, Michelle, I was thinking. That boy who uh, 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 jacked our cable satellite. We should pardon him. <laughs> jacked our cable. <laughs> we should pardon him. Wow. What a, what, a, what a world. What a time. What a crazy world we live in, I tell you. That's why we get the big bucks. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other kind of interesting things. Going back to uh, our favorite uh, Delta Sherakilo, which is my new name now for Dominique Strauss-Kahn, Delta Sherakilo, um, and who is going to replace him as the head of the IMF? I missed. Uh, I'd like to rescind my prediction. Oh, it's too bad. No, no, no. You can cross it off in the little book of uh, predictions in your little, the little red, red book. book. Yeah, I, I'd like to change it. Let me find it because I found a. Oh yeah, here it is. May nineteenth I... predicts Egypt guy. <laughs> what was I thinking? Egypt guy? No, That's no, what I no. Said. no, 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 wrong, 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 wrong. Not Egypt guy. Sin did. What's today's date? It's uh, today's twenty second. Twenty second. Okay, so I'm going to. There's a connection with uh, Christine Lagarde. 
who is Le French, Le French Finance Minister. She uh, has a very dark tan, uh, Christine Lagarde. And you know why I'm rescinding it? I'm going to say that she will become the new head of the IMF because she's from Chicago. That's right. She was the managing director of Baker and McKenzie, huge law firm in Chicago. Duh. So, of course, she's going to become the new head of the IMF. Baker and McKenzie, by the way, if you go to their website, very interesting. Right there on their homepage with their rotating banner, Baker and McKenzie advises on European Union sanction measures against Libya. <laughs> Just shove it in my face, please. And there's a whole publication here. The client, this client alert reviews further EU developments involving the imposition of trade and financial sanctions against Libya. These guys are so in. So, of course, it's going to be Christine Lagarde. Was, it's just, and I didn't know that she ran this uh, law firm in Chicago. I mean, it's, it's once again at Chicago. So I believe Baker McKenzie is a national firm that probably centralized. She ran, in, well, she ran the Chicago office then. Yeah, she, they're probably in New York or Philadelphia. Well, let me see where the head office is. Uh, Baker McKenzie. Oh, they defined the global law firm in the 20th century, John. Did you know that? Well, yeah, no, but yeah. yeah, they say right here, Baker McKenzie defined the global law firm in the 20th century, and we are redefining it to meet the challenges of the global economy in the 20th century. They're all over the place. Oh, Talk yeah. about a big operation. It's huge. So these guys, they are the government. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> look at these guys. Look at the stuff they do. My goodness. The 2010 edition of Baker McKenzie's Handling Tax Controversies in Europe is out, John. We should get, grab a copy of that. It provides sound guidance on issues involved in managing tax controversies in 15 European countries, as well as key inform information on litigation. In other in words... The, go ahead. In the United States, they have offices in Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Miami, New York, Palo Alto, San Diego, San Francisco, and Washington. They actually have two offices in the Bay Area. Wow. Well, we should go drop by. I should. I Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Christine sent us, and uh, we just like a little information on some uh, tax controversies. Uh, we, we we feel we uh, need some a uh, little bit of help. Tax controversies. Even have this is the this is, you always know is a big law firm when they have it, especially on one of their home pages, a person's picture as and it's the North American Business Development Director. Yeah, sales is what that is. Yeah, sales. Wow. Hey, Global Newsroom. These guys are great. This is like better than Hill and Knowlton, these guys. Jocelyn Broombaugh. Call her. Well, they're all 312 numbers, by the way. But that's Chicago, right? Isn't 312 Chicago? I believe it might be. So if you want the global communication supervisor, Jessica Wiltz. Chicago could be the headquarters. It's unusual, but it's possible. It, what do you mean? The whole world runs around Chicago. What do you mean? It's, it's unusual. For law what firms. Most law firms are out of Philadelphia and New York. The big ones. Right, but well, but the ones that are actually, I mean, these guys are part of the cabal, man. There's no other way. Yeah, well, that's probably true. How come they don't have a history? How come they don't have our history where they talk about how great we are? Here, one step ahead of the Dodd-Frank Act. Months before U.S. Congress passed the most sweeping financial reform legislation since the Great Depression, we began preparing our clients. Are you ready for changes? In other words, we were on the inside. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty big. 
<laughs> My goodness, these guys are awesome. It was founded in Chicago in 1949 by Russell Baker and John McKenzie. There you go. Home to 3,750 lawyers spread across 69 offices in 41 countries. Wow. What's uh, 10 lawyers at the bottom of a swimming pool? A start. Yep. <sighs> Damn. Hot pockets. So, um, time for the Annoy John segment. I don't know. Ha- <laughs> I don't have an audio clip, unfortunately. Oh, good. But uh, did you know that uh, in the most transparent government ever, ever, I tell you, now you knew that, right? That uh, the, uh, Obama admitted, the Obama administration is the most transparent ever in the history of the White House. Who said that? Uh, the uh, Obama administration. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, everyone has to uh, put in, and I think everyone has to do this. You have to uh, release a financial disclosure statement, right? Yeah. Guess who hasn't uh, released his yet? Oh, besides Clinton? Yes. Vivek Kundra. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I, I remember when they put him in that job, there were people were irked about his lack of, uh, yeah, there was no financial disclosure uh-huh. from this guy. Still hasn't done it. So, When's that going to How long can you go? Yeah, until... Uh, what does it take? What is his disclosure? He had two jobs. I mean, you know, the guy's gotten... Until you get a great gig and you can leave. And yeah, he's going to go work for HP or Dell or Microsoft. Probably Dell. Looks like they got all Dell laptops in the oh, yeah, situation. You're right. Yep, let me put it in the yeah. red book. Yeah, little prediction there. Uh, so he'll never release it, obviously. Um, see, there's a couple other... Uh, couple of the things that were just uh, of note kind of freaked me out a little bit. Oh, yeah, there was a good article. And, you know, we, we usually call out the mainstream press as, uh, what's the word? Um, Douchebags. But uh, I do want to prop, let me see who wrote this article. Uh, Los Angeles Times this morning, uh, Michael Hiltz, Hilzik, H-I-L-Z-I-K, uh, title of his story, FCC commissioners move to Comcast shows the revolving door is still spinning. And I was, I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. He just he came right out and he said it. He actually uh, did, he didn't just write an op-ed. Uh, subtitle, Meredith Baker's new employer is the corporate entity whose merger with NBC Universal was blessed by the FCC in January. And uh, he actually got a quick, he talked to uh, this uh, shadow puppet who right after she helped approve the Comcast NBC Universal merger went to go work for uh, Comcast, uh, and he got a quote from her: "I'm a conservative Republican who believes in the free market." Uh, wait a minute, that's not the quote I was looking for. Uh, uh, you have to be a little surprised Comcast was still interested in me after I told them all the things I would have to be recused from. Can you believe that? Can you believe the hubris of this woman? <laughs> That's funny. Because she's going to sit there. She's going to, well, maybe she can't go and lobby, but she can just say, oh, here, call this guy. Said, I just go ahead and tell him I told yeah, you. Yeah, tell him I told you yeah. to call him. What hubris? Yeah. What hubris? Hubris. Yeah, hubris. It's like hummus, only it doesn't taste so good. And a uh, good story, though. Uh, actually, uh, I tweeted that today with hashtag. Um, M.E. speech. And uh, something else coming up this week. Uh, I'd like to send out a bat signal to our two listeners in France. 
Uh, we have uh, Tristan and uh, who's our other uh, listener in France? John? Right. Yeah, right. Tristan actually uh, sends us information all the time, which is we're highly appreciative of. In Deauville, Deauville, May 26th and May 27th, um, this it leading up to the G8 summit uh, in Deauville, uh, another reason that we'll have uh, Christine Lagarde um, in the IMF seat. It's all France. All France. I mean, it's, it, this is a, uh, a witch hunt against Germany. The Germans are getting screwed here, and they know it. Oh, they're going to get screwed. Yeah, they're getting screwed. They're um, already soaking them for all these bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I yeah, you absorbed Eastern Germany. You can afford it. Uh, we, you absorbed Eastern Germany. You can afford it. You got to do the accent. Uh, there will be a, a meeting, and it's uh, it's not widely publicized. And guess who's all going to hang out together? Nicolas Sarkozy, who is the president <laughs> douchebag of France, uh, will appear at a, they're going to have a, a summit the following people will be there with Nicolas Sarkozy, Rupert Murdoch, Mark Zuckerberg, several Google executives, YouTube, and the founders of Microsoft and Wikipedia. They're all going to be hanging out for a special meeting. On, uh, what the, could that be about? Yeah, what could, hmm, what could we be talking about? I can't believe that people don't see this and think, huh. Maybe that Facebook thing ain't so good. <laughs> I can't believe it. <sighs> well, maybe I'm just super sensitive. Yeah, you are. You're super sensitive. So I was uh, watching C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. And they had this guy. And there's a, there's a new book. I want the book club uh, people to uh, put this in their uh, list. It's a book called Mastermind by Richard Miniter. And Minotaur wrote, is, this is about, the whole book is about Khalid Sheikh Muhammad, that guy who looked like uh, the guy they caught in a cave with the, you know, the, over the beard and the T-shirt you know, early. They caught him early and waterboarded him 182 times, that guy. Oh, yeah. Khalid Sheikh the Muhammad. Second, the guy who orchestrated 9-11. The guy who's behind most of this stuff is this right. guy, apparently, right. according to this book. Right. And I should mention, by the way, this guy mentions on this Q&A done on C-SPAN that 100, and you're going to hear, you hear it a lot from both sides, 182 times, 182 times of waterboarding. It, what, he was not waterboarded 182 times. Oh. They, the, the, what it, what, every time they dump water on him during one waterboarding session, that counted as one. Oh. So they would maybe douse him 20 times, you know, and that would count as 20 waterboardings when it's, you know, that, it just, that's just an aside for people out there who are looking for this meme. Anyway, he, uh, during his interview, he mentioned, uh, I just found this kind of fascinating. There used to be this very famous guy who started the Jewish Defense League called Meyer, uh, Meyer Kahani. Meyer Kahani is very incredibly famous character. And apparently Khalid Sheikh Muhammad, and I didn't know any of this, was in, you know, in the United States most of, most of his, his formative years uh, going to schools in North Carolina. Oh, this is like Adam Gadon's story. The whole thing, all, all these guys are Americans who were just, you know, uh, self-radicalized. Yeah, and he grew, grew a beard, threw a turban on, and, uh, and now. Well, when he was in uh, high Al-Qaeda. school, he apparently was taught by he was in he was in Kuwait, and it was apparently taught by a bunch of Palestinian pissed off Palestinians, and he got this in his brain, then he <laughs> came over here. But but there was a uh, play this KSM first murder. 
paragraph from your book. America would be good to KSM. In return, he would use his college years to make alliances he would need in future terror attacks and plot his first assassination on American soil, which will be discussed here for the first time. What are you discussing for the first time? Uh, the murder of Meyer Kahan. Uh, Meyer Kahan was a, was a Zionist, uh, an American uh, Jewish rabbi who ultimately became a member of the Israeli Knesset, but was very outspoken, very pro-Israel, and called for the, the Palestinian Arabs to leave uh, the Gaza and the West uh, West Bank, and for, for this, the land that was biblically Israel's to be Israel's today, and it was um, not a, let's not a mainstream position to put it casually. But he gave speeches all throughout the United States and raised tremendous amounts of money. He founded the Jewish Defense League, uh, and in 1986 he spoke uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, at North Carolina A and T, and that speech was seen by Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, and it outraged him because this is someone who had a diametrically opposed point of view. He, uh, KSM often lied and said that he had a Palestinian mother or grandmother or some Palestinian relationship. In fact, in his genealogy, there's no connection to Palestine. But most of the, the students and the high school teachers that he had in Kuwait were Palestinian. And uh, his social world in the Muslim Brotherhood in Kuwait was, pal was primarily Palestinian. So he identified very strongly with the PLO and, and Black September and those radical groups of the 1970s. And so when he heard Kahan, it was an alternate point of view. And for KSM, the problem is not that people disagree. It, the problem is that alternative point of views exist. That there should be a single unified view. And unsurprisingly, it's his. <laughs> Uh, and so he plotted to kill Kahan. Now there's a there's a stray mention of this. There's a one-line mention of this buried in a footnote in the 9/11 Commission report, in that he claimed that he had killed Kahan or had Kahan killed, and that the CIA didn't believe him. But when you look into it, you discover that they didn't investigate that very hard. And when you okay, you can stop it. The rest of it is him backing up the fact that he killed or plotted to have this guy killed. Uh, I didn't even know this guy was ever in the United States. Yeah, most of these guys were in the United States, including Anwar Al-Awlaki, who in... Uh, right, well, he was... Uh, Alak yeah, well, that, right. He was at the Pentagon as a guest speaker. Yeah, at recently. A lunch, at a luncheon. No, not... Uh, it, was to, it was a couple months after 9-11. Oh, okay, you're right. I'm which sorry. was more important than recently. Yeah. No, the whole thing, but this guy apparently was, you know, went to a bunch of schools here, went to college here, yeah. and he, you know, who knows what else he did. There was one funny anecdote, a kind of a short clip I, I got a kick out of. It just got really, it's just more of humor than anything else. But he uh, apparently, according to this uh, author, was like a just terrible driver, and it ended up with this funny situation with this woman he ran into uh, named Christian. You can play that just quickly. Kuwait days, uh, and as a student, and um, got an idea of the intellectual forces shaping KSM, but also I learned about his driving record. He was a terrible, Khalid Mohammed was a terrible driver, drove with, with an expired license, often drove at high speed and smashed into parked cars. Uh, one In one car, two women were talking when Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's car smashed into theirs. Uh, the women were badly injured and they sued for their medical costs. Their last name was Christian. Uh, his is Mohammed. The lawsuit in the North Carolina court records is Christian v. Mohammed. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Nerdy humor. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? It was on C-SPAN? Yeah. Yeah, that's C-SPAN humor. That's exactly their level. Totally C-SPAN yeah, humor. Like, oh, he made a funny.
Um, I would just like to shout out to my man there, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Uh, clearly in the crackpot commander camp, as he has now come out and accused Western countries of plotting to cause drought in Iran by using high-tech equipment to drain the clouds of raindrops. That's right. Weather modification. He's coming right out and saying it, and of course, uh, everyone calls him crazy and a nutball. But uh, his quote, uh, if we can believe the translation, Western countries have designed plans to cause drought in certain areas of the world, including Iran. Mr. Ahmadinejad said in the city of Arak and Maraj province, according to reports on climate, whose accuracy has been verified, European countries are using special equipment to force clouds to dump their water on their continent. By doing so, they prevent rain clouds from reaching regional countries, including Iran. Well, there you go. Weather, yes, weather being used as a weapon, which, of course, uh, Secretary of Defense... Uh, I don't think you really have to go out of your way to, to create a <laughs> drought in some of these areas. Well, it doesn't help. Yeah, but I think weather is, you know, earthquake machines, weather modification is being used continuously. And, yeah, I think it, it can severely hurt a country if you can cause a drought. I don't know. I, you know, What do you know about Iran? Iran's got some pretty green spots, my friend. It's not like a little country. You know, Iran's pretty big, and they got some beautiful, dense foliage. I'm trying to get some of the smoked rice out of that country. Yeah, you keep talking about that. Meanwhile, China gave Pakistan 50 fighter jets. China is really... Uh, Just gave them to them? Yeah, it said, hey, hey. What do you mean, they gave them to them? They didn't sell them to them? No, it says right here, China gives Pakistan 50 oh, that's, fighter jets. that be true. Well, let me read this. I think it's from uh, the New York Times. And the New York Times headline, is the New York Times not always accurate? Are they not the paper of record? They're the paper of rec record. Record. China, of it says right here, China gives pa Pakistan 50 fighter jets. Pakistan, Islamabad, Dateline. China has agreed to immediately provide 50 JF-17 fighter jets to Pakistan, a major outcome by, uh, of a visit by Prime Minister Yusuf Raza Jilani to Beijing this week. Pakistan officials said on Thursday. I guess they, I guess they just give. It doesn't seem like they're paying for it. Well, that seems like a good deal for Pakistan. Sounds like a great deal. By the way, I it's think... Of course, the parts and, and, and maintenance probably cost more than the jets. Well, that's it's like the razor and the razor blades. It's like, hey, hello, hi, very nice to meet you. Take our jet, and you have to come for a break and... Uh, wheel alignment. Break, <laughs> break and wheel alignment. Every 30,000 miles, you come back to us. <laughs> and, and oil change every 3,000. <laughs> exactly, so uh, did you exactly see that, that we, we never talked about on the show, but, you know, after Obama spent these hundreds of millions of dollars to go to India, yeah, yeah. It, basically to sell stuff, and yeah. he sold nothing. No. They bought jets from Russia. Yep, that's right. Good, Good job. Good work. Good work. Yay. I mean, that's all you have to do is go in there and sweet talk him and then sell him jets, yep. and he sells nothing. So he just wasted the taxpayers' money, and, the, and meanwhile, we lose the contract. And he took all those people with him. It cost a lot of money to do that. Remember, we, we looked at the yeah, numbers? Yeah, it, it was a scandal that nobody cares about million dollars or something, whatever. But meanwhile, I believe that the um, an official in China came out and said, you know, America has to uh, start treating Pakistan as a sovereign state and it's got to stop messing around with all the drones and stuff. So I'm, I think China is starting to rattle a little bit of the, the cage and the sabers. Of course, we're fighting a war by proxy with China in Libya already. And, uh, and uh, God knows uh, the Congo. There was another report here that uh, 
China has put, uh, let's see if I can find it. I think they put like $4.8 billion into the Congo again. They just don't stop. They did some, like a giveaway. They've been doing giveaways. Their latest is just basically going to bribe the guys with huge amounts of money saying it's for development. Of course, we know what happens in Africa with development money. Yeah. Somehow the Africans don't benefit. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just think that's interesting that, uh, you know, it's like, hey. But, you know, that's probably exactly, I mean, we laugh about it, but it's probably exactly how it works. It's like, here, take our jets. And, uh, you know, you got to have them serviced by us. Well, it's one way to get them to fly the jets around to see if they like them, you know, because you could but... <laughs> kick the tires, you know. <laughs> hey, man, give me a jet. Give me one of them jets. I'll fly it around. Can you imagine what you, the amount of money that we collect from this show wouldn't pay for one minute in the air? You can't even idle the thing. Can't even start it. <laughs> oh, there goes the money. Oh, so, whoops. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, yeah, I think Not that's... Not to mention uh, what a wheel alignment must cost. <laughs> Luckily, though, uh, a Libyan crowd attacked a bus carrying foreign journalists. So, finally, they have something to talk about Libya again, because now it's about them. Hashtag me. Um, and of course, this is not uh, Libyan uh, troops. This is uh, the, the the human resources who are just at this point exasperated by the lies that the media is propagating. And, you know, and of course, they'll twist this around and make it into something else. Um, but it seems to me like uh, they're angry that the Western media is just propagating crap, and they're, and they're starting to revolt against it. Yeah, it's about time. And then, of course, the, you can't get the real news out because of the fake bloggers and Twitterers that are, you know, creating a smoke st- screen. So you can't tell what's real. Sitting at the State Department with at Andy Carvin, making it all up. I mean, how how dense can you be to actually believe that there's some guy in Sudan who magically is watching the president's speech and tweeting about it at the same time. <laughs> Are you kidding Highly me? Highly unlikely. Are you kidding me? I mean, we could hardly watch the thing here in its entirety. You had to get C-SPAN. And yeah, one they li- don't have the bandwidth for video feeds in most of these places. It's ridiculous. Sudan, okay. Sudan. Of course it's bull crap. If if it was really someone in Sudan, it was an elite or the son of an elite or who knows, but more likely one of these techno experts in the State Department. Final clip from uh, President Obama's um, speech, uh, as hashtag me speech, uh, and this just cracked me up. The greatest untapped resource in the Middle East and North Africa is the talent of its people. In the recent protests, we see that talent on display as people harness technology to move the world. It's no coincidence that one of the leaders of Tahrir Square was an executive for Google. Coincidence? I think not! Really? No, of course it wasn't. He's a shill. That's why it wasn't a coincidence. (laughs) It's a shill. It's a total shill. Just comes out and says it, too. Hey, it was no coincidence. The whole speech was so bogus. So, you know, this whole thing. I'm stuck. getting tired of this guy. Well, you I- know, I, I always thought that he, you know, he was a public <coughs> speaker that that was going to the public was going to get tired of listening to him. He just can't stop talking. He, he loves hearing himself talk. He should have been in radio. And he, <laughs> yeah. Hello, everybody. It's the Obama Show. Uh, 
We'll be right you back. You carried it. You carried right through Obama show. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's how far you've gotten so far. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's the Obama show. Hello, Hello everybody. everybody. Hello, everybody. It's the Obama show. We'll be right back after this message. Did I get it there? Did I get all the way yeah, to this I'm, message? I'm, yeah, I'm just close enough. Maybe I should just do the, the Obama show. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could pull it off. <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> Hello, everybody. G.W. Obama here. Uh, with Michelle and Talika Mahama. What are they? What's this kid's names? What are the- <laughs> Talik and Mahama. <laughs> Mahama, Hama, and I can't Alicia or whatever. How sad is that that I don't know the first the first daughter's names? Isn't one M- Malika? What's the other one's name? Malika and... Wow, that's pretty bad. I've, I've, I am ashamed um, now. It's something with an A, I think. That, that there's no reason for me to not, not to know the first daughter's names. Um, but anyways, yeah, there's plenty of reasons. It's not like we need to, that, you know. Hello, everybody. Aliyah and... Aliyah and Malika. It's Malika, isn't it? Aliyah and Malika? Let's see. Malia and Natasha. Oh, wow, not even Sasha. not even close. Not even close. <laughs> Malia Ann. Oh my god. Called by a second daughter Natasha, who's called Sasha. I revert to Talika and Muhammad. I think that oh. sounds a lot better. Hello everybody. Top of the hour. Not <laughs> Malika. Hello hello everybody. Um, Top of the hour on the George W. Obama show. Uh, uh, uh. Um uh. Uh, uh, he does a lot of uh, 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 uh. He'd be great for radio. Meanwhile, meanwhile, so the guy's everywhere. He's talking. He's meeting people. He's out campaigning. And the BBC does a huge interview, and he gives him 18 minutes. Ooh. And this guy who did the interview, I don't know if you've been following that, but he's like, I was so nervous. and I had 18 minutes plus two minutes to do a walking shot in the hallway. And, and so what is, the, what is the big news that comes out of this Obama interview? They are extraordinarily gracious people. Uh, they could not have been kinder to us. Uh, I met... Uh, this is about the royals. He's talking about uh, the queen. The queen, uh, of, uh, uh. the queen of Gitmo Nation. Her Majesty the Queen, uh, the entire royal family, the last time I was... Uh, the first time I was in England, mm. uh, in April of 2008. And then Michelle and the girls actually visited... Talika and Mahama. ...did London again. Uh, and went to Buckingham Palace. Uh, she could not have been more charming and gracious to the girls. They actually had a chance to ride in the carriage on the grounds. Um, uh, I think uh, what uh, the Queen symbolizes, not just to Great Britain, but to the entire Commonwealth and obviously the entire world, uh, is, uh, is the best of England. Yes. And uh, we're very proud of her. I love that. And uh, we're, we're very, proud we're of proud, them. We're proud of her. We're very proud of Why her. Why are we proud of her? Because she has to listen to George W. Obama. Because we're proud of her. We're very proud of her. And Talika and Mahama got to ride the coach around the castle grounds. A little joy ride. Uh, Michelle and I could, could have not been more gracious. Hello, everybody. So, um, yeah. I thought that was kind of weird. And, uh, and it's it, and, totally weird. And if I were the queen, I'd be insulted. Who, who does he think he is? The Schwarzer talking like that. Well, talking about the Schwarzer talking like that, I <laughs> this thing, this thing with uh, with Netanyahu, <laughs> well, I, I is totally the, out of control. What's the thing with Netanyahu? I don't know anything about Netanyahu. What's going well, he on? He comes out and he says that Obama in his speech, the one that you recorded, he says, "Well, we want we want Israel to start uh, negotiating from the old 1967 oh. borders." Yeah, but I think I think this is a setup because I think this actually sets. 
Palestine back to you know, like 1970. Like now the conversation is everything's no, off the no, table. No, there's, I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Because when I was in Israel, I got a tour of this area where they where the old borders were and the new borders. Those old borders, exactly what Netanyahu said, are indefensible. It's like basically giving everybody the, the, the view, like a hill view, so you can just bomb the crap out of somebody. You could lob hand grenades into Israel, and they couldn't do anything about defending so it. So what is the point of Obama coming out and saying we've, you've got to go? I think he hates Jews. I don't think so. I do. No, 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 I don't think so. Keep an eye on it. I'm putting the prediction. I, I think it's a red herring. And I think it effectively nullifies, it just, you know, first of all, Israel not going to listen to that. They don't care. They're not going to live. They're just going to continue to do whatever they do. Oh, I know. They're going to do what they're going to do, but they yeah. don't like the idea. of. The, they, I, you can watch these two guys glaring at each other. They had to. They were just. The fact that Netanyahu, because this speech was made before Netanyahu came to the White House for his visit. Yeah, the fact the that point. he still went there means he's subservient. Well, he's Obama's may, bitch. True. He's Obama's bitch. Well, that may bitch. be true. I'm not saying that's not true. But he wasn't too happy, and they were just glaring at each <laughs> other. I don't think that was acting. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's all very entertaining. Because now we can all have this conversation without actually saying what you just said, which I think is great that you said it, because that's what's on everybody's mind. Yeah, the black man hates the Jew. Isn't that basically what you just said? No, I said Obama does. Oh, but you said the Schwarza. You 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 pulled. You the, said the Schwarza, so I used it as a safe. You pulled the Schwarza card. You said the Schwarza. Uh, yeah. I used it as hey, a safe. I heard frame. you call the. You pulled the Schwarza card. I heard it. Yeah, well, well, you should be listening to yourself. Listen, brothers and sisters, we are all brothers and sisters. We all bleed the same red blood, and don't listen to these stupid elites and all their crap they're propagating on the mainstream media. Turn off your television, I tell you, and support this show because we're the only ones that will give you any form of insight. And I really, please, if you have another program out there that does it like this, that gives you this type of insight, please send me the link. I'd be happy to listen to it. And that's not the Skepticality podcast, okay? It's a nice show, but it's not the same thing. What's that? (laughs) You should listen to it. we, We put in a lot of hours on this stuff. A lot of hours. John had to sit to how long of C-SPAN to get to that? Uh, get to that I don't know because I fell asleep three times. <laughs> oh, I fell asleep. Anyway, we- <laughs> it's easy to fall. I'm using it now to get to, if you have a, if you're uh, insomniac, use C-SPAN. It's very useful. Anyway, we highly appreciate the support that you once again have shown us. Keep that up. Keep it going, and bring in more people, more listeners, and you know, waterboard them if you have to. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California. Yay, I am the Lone Wolf. Hello, everybody. Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the freeway is open, but there's still potholes. I'm John C. Dvorak. Remember, we have the No Agenda Producer Update coming up around, uh, coming up at the top of the hour. Hello, everybody. No Agenda Producer Update. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda. That is so decay. Dvorak.org slash N-A